Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise, it's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 19 on Sunday the 22nd of November 2020. As always, I'm joined by the number one contender for the best Xbox RPG player in the world, official Xbox Hall of Famer, Swinney. Hello. <laughs> and back again, we just can't get rid of him, next-gen gamer himself, Mike. Hello. Can I quickly just use this as a plug for my OnlyFans site? It's, yes. It's OnlyFans.com slash Mike Wears No Pants. <laughs> I thought it would be Oh Mike. No, uh, it's, it's a different one. I don't mix the two together. Oh, okay. You want them separate. I'll edit this later. Uh, and in this week's show, we'll be discussing the new Bond bombshell, Epic taking on Apple in Australia, and I'm very excited about this, uh, Mega Assassin's Creed fan himself, Swinney, will get his take on Valhalla. Mike, how's your gaming week been? Pretty good. It's been mostly Demon Souls, so I'm very... Depressed, bitter, paranoid, <laughs> sad. It's been a very dark week. Oh, I, I've got to very... admit something, boys. I've caved. Uh-oh. What'd you do? I got Demon Souls. On PS3. On PS3. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Are you going to play it, though? Dude, I've been playing it. Oh, nice. Wow. Uh, what a... How far did you get? Interesting. Uh... Okay, so there's a few things. I've only I only played it for like like 40 minutes just because of the week that it's been. Um, and, you know, I'm going to say something that's going to bite me in the ass later. <laughs> I, like, the way that people talk about these games, it's like they're the hardest games ever. And I'm like... They're not. Is no, it that no. hard? Like, it doesn't no, feel no. like as hard as what no. everyone's saying. So, they aren't the hardest games ever. They are hard. They get harder. <laughs> Yeah, like Mike's OnlyFans, um, but <laughs> but no, the it's all about especially like no like knowing your I guess like pedigree as a gamer and like the games that you play and stuff. I don't think you have a problem with this game at all because um, it's all about preparation and memorization and things like mm. that. Um, and like the thing is, that the games are tough, but no. Like, it's, that's always it's been fair. ridiculous. It's always been ridiculous. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's just the way people talk about it. It's like the most difficult game you'll ever play in your life. I played it, got through the tutorial, got beaten by the the boss in the tutorial, Vanquest or whatever it's called. You, you meant to get beaten by it. Yeah. So, I only took off a quarter of his health or something like that. That's still and then, pretty good. Then I got into the first stage. And I was, like, playing through it. I got to, like, the dragons, and then I died from, like, one of the dragons on the left-hand side. And I'm like, this game... Like, I'm not saying it's easy at all, right? It's just, like, it kind of shocked me, because I was like, oh, this is, like, way more approachable. I almost didn't want to play these games, because... Oh, yeah. I didn't want to, like, play something that's, like, impossible. Like, a super I find super something like Super NES Meat game. Boy harder, or, yeah, or other yeah. other games yeah. to that extent. I will say, you probably haven't come across any of the hurdles that people would typically talk about with Demon Souls yet. Yeah. Sure. Um, with, with Dark Souls, um, I think that game has more hurdles up front, especially, um, especially <laughs> considering Demon. it's, yeah, like, you will run into the, the graveyard and suddenly you, like, kill by skeletons because you, it's kind of, you're not meant to go that way, you know. It's more open, before. yeah. Um, whereas Demon Souls, I think, yeah, it's kind of, it eases people in a bit easier in that sense. Yeah. But, no, like, I, I agree. Uh, the games are tough, 
but you, it's all about how you approach them. If you just run through, running past every enemy, you know, not exploring, not getting upgrading your gear, then you're gonna have a tough time. But if you actually take your time, then the games, you know, the games aren't that bad. Mm. Yes, slow and steady. For some I people, actually started... it would be a, for some people they would have trouble. Especially the bosses are probably where people find the most difficulty with those games. So, oh, absolutely. But you can summon. I, I never summoned when I first played those those games, and I made life so much harder for myself. And then when you learn it, you're like, oh, I could just. Get someone else to come help me. It's so much easier. But I haven't summoned at all in Demon Souls because it's got that mechanic that when you die, you go into soul form and you lose half your health. And the other thing, I don't know if you, if you know about this as well in Intergard, is that it's got a world tendency system. So yeah, if you that, die in body form, it changes the world tendency and stuff like that. So I was trying to avoid all of that. And made, it, it, you kind of make your life more difficult because you're constantly with half health. Well, 75% if you get the ring and stuff. But, oh, one quick thing. I did start Dark Souls again, and I think you guys knew that because I showed I you the vid. Yeah. <laughs> I got up to the Capra Demon. You son of a... You, you know all about that, John. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up just uh, deleting the game. Yeah, <laughs> the Capra Demon. <laughs> I have to say, though, like just because I've never played any Souls game, and I know that you both have always said, you've got to play a Souls game, what are you doing, rah, rah, rah. And so, you know, I just booted up Demon Souls. I thought it would be a bit of a, a, a laugh, given I thought I'd be able to trick you a little bit. I obviously failed completely at getting you thinking that I got a PS5. Um, that wasn't going to work. Dude, like, I friggin' love this game. I'm, like, so into it. I'm, like, okay. thinking about it all the time. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is like... It's like that. It, Man, it consumes you. Just just think you've got there's so much ahead of you in the whole series. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like I, And this comes from someone who never, who's who's never played through Bloodborne or, or Demon's Souls myself. But the even just knowing about those games, it's like, man, I wish I didn't know about them for the first time. Same. It's it, Yeah. I can't wait for a new one just so I could experience that for the first time. Because playing Demon's Souls, the remake... Like I said last time, you have everything mapped in your head, even though it's been years and years since you've played it and it looks a bit different. It, you still kind of know what's what. So I just want that fresh experience where I have no idea what's around the corner. Yeah. Would yeah, you say, yeah. would you say, Swinney, it's probably the best game series you've ever played? It's close to it. I'd still t- say Zelda takes the cake, but okay. um, it's fastly, fastly, it's quickly becoming. Uh, <laughs> becoming uh, one of my favorite series of all time but uh this week i have been um so i have been playing assassin's creed valhalla but not as much as i'd expected because um i was a little cheeky and i didn't really play it until uh yesterday properly um because i've been i re-completed all of final fantasy 8 again i just couldn't help myself <laughs> i just went through the whole game before, again yeah, on game Pass. so well, Anne had a new achievement list and everything, so I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is... And I tell you what, mm. with, um, with this game, there's so much I want to say about it, but it's not the time for it. But I, the one thing I'll say is, man, I, my feelings on that game have changed so much after now playing it through recently twice. Mm. Um, it's such a weird... It's almost like this anomaly in in in, in gaming, Final Fantasy VIII. I just can't explain it. I'd, I'd love a chance to talk about it at some point. So yeah, no, I think I think we've got to visit um, all all the Final Fantasy series for you 
because having played, you've played like all of the solo games. Like it would be cool to get a ranking of where you think they all fit. Yeah, I've there's some earlier entries I've got to spend more time with. Um, mm. So I was actually that's exactly what I had in mind is just filling in a couple of those early entry gaps, and then at some point doing a ranking. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and, and what I decided as well, um, I'll, I'll probably get through the first little bit of Demon Souls and then put it down. And you know, given that we're and Mike, you should jump on this where. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Given that, and this is tied into the show, it's a bit of a teaser about the Game Awards. Um, what we're going to do is do retrospective Game Awards. So we've gone back and already decided that we're going back to the year 2011 to determine what the Game of the Year for 2011 is, Game of some other year. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the year that Dark Souls came out amongst other games. So I'm actually going to start playing Dark Souls. I'm not even going to bother putting anything else down. It's the clear winner. <laughs> Well, There's I don't know, a... <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Minecraft as well. And that game, like, I finally get it now. And I'm like, that is such a good game. Oh, in terms of overall impact on gaming, Minecraft's probably bigger. Well, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll have to talk about this in the special yeah. episodes we'll do at the end of the year. Hopefully at the end of the year. I've got to catch up really quickly. Um, but let's get into the the first segment, which is around the announcement that we had last week, which is kind of a surprise announcement that xCloud is launching early in a beta phase in Australia, I saw it on Twitter. I signed up like within a minute and I spoke to the Xbox team as well. Uh, so, uh, Swinney, you've signed <clears> up as well? Yeah, I, I signed up um, quite a few days later. So, yeah, oh, yeah, I need to later. do this at some yeah, point. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah, just casually, whatever. <clears throat> and Mike, yep. did you ever sign up or not? I did not. <laughs> no. You probably could sign up and get it right now because I signed oh. up in a minute and I still haven't been bloody invited. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ropeable. <laughs> <laughs> and i check it and every time i see swinney talking about it i'm like oh it's just because my account's too new because i i switched my uh my account name and everything and started a fresh account so that was probably oh. not a good idea for this wasn't there also a minimum requirement i think of a hundred thousand gamer score or something <laughs> i read, read something about that you have to be the number one you have to be an xbox hall of famer to get the you invite. have to yeah they so also he's... look at how many hours you spent on rocket league and if it's above 300 you disqualify. They say not. <laughs> oh, yeah, for me, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Sweeney, you you've tried this. Uh, you've tried it on your Android phone or tablet or both. Both. So I have a Galaxy S9, um, and I have a, a Galaxy tablet as well. I can't remember the exact uh, version of it. So the I yeah, I wanted to try both the platforms with a bunch of different games across different genres. So first of all. In Australia, at least, there's only a handful of titles that are actually available when you load up the game streaming app. And oh, really? It's not yes. like the US one? So it's not everything that oh. you see announced every week. And that makes sense. They did that with uh, the preview in the US as well. Mm. Um, I can't remember the exact amount, but it's probably maybe about 25 games or something. It's, it's a pretty small group um, because when I'm looking at, um, okay, what am I going to try I was trying to look for things that I know I could just jump in quickly and start a game without going through like a lengthy like intro or something like that. And there weren't that many. There's a lot like Borderlands. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and like test out Borderlands because I know there's going to be a whole lot of tutorial stuff at the start. Um, and even something like, so Tekken 7 was one of them. Even Tekken 7, I'm like, oh, I'll jump in and quickly play a match and... I had to go through all the, you know, user agreement stuff and then all the update stuff and things like that. So it's the idea of just quickly jump into a game. You still hit the hurdle with mm. 
general game design of the game has to be built to really allow you to jump straight into something. You know, you oh. are literally just launching a game. Um, there's loading times, which I found a little disappointing. I'm like, well, not loading times, but as in like they felt like Xbox loading times, you know, not like a, a, a powerful PC version running off SSD kind of load time, which yeah. I'm not sure what is powering these xCloud instances for everyone. Um, I would assume they're <clears throat> PCs as opposed to <laughs> literally consoles sitting there in data centers. <laughs> no, no, no. So, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. So the way it works is they have some data centers in, in like Southeast Asia. And when you're, you know, pressing the buttons, there's some guy over in, in you know, Manila who's <laughs> just trying to copy your motion as accurately as possible. That's why sometimes there's a bit of input lag and it feels a bit weird, but, you know, just give the guy a break. So, <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry, dude. Um, but yeah, like just loading up, I was kind of shocked about that. And I guess that's because some of these games just haven't been really probably designed with SSD in mind, mm. maybe. Um, I'm not saying that they should load like PS5 games, but that was a little like jarring to me. But so the first game I tried out was Minecraft Dungeons. And I tried that out on my phone because I knew that they had a specific touch interface designed for it when you load it up on xCloud. And... I loaded it up, went through, you know, it, it does a few of the, you know, like intro things and then it starts playing and I'm waiting to kind of see where it's hitching and I'm like, huh, it's actually running damn, damn well. Like I was oh, shocked. Really? I was really shocked. Now, Minecraft Dungeons, I'm not going to say is the most taxing game, but there is actually quite a bit of environmental stuff going on. You know, it's 3D. It's not like, you know, it, there's still a lot going on and it actually worked really, really well. Now, I guess I have to explain my setup a little bit. Like, I'm not technical, so I can't, ex- you know, answer lots of questions about it. But I'll basically say that I tested majority of this stuff in my lounge room, where which is where my Wi-Fi router is located. So I'm probably in the optimal setup for it. But when I did load it up, the first thing it said was, you know, you're on a what is it, 2.4 connection whatever that is you know you guys can probably answer the technical part of that oh so you you're not on like the five gigahertz wireless no, like no. wi-fi connection and you're on old school 2.4 gigahertz yeah and what I they say it for 2.4 gigahertz so what it said is you're on that it's it's this is optimized for five gigahertz whatever mm. um so i'm like oh okay well it didn't stop me from playing so that's that's <laughs> you got to keep this in mind this is my setup and my experience with this yeah and even then, and, just, and, and you know, just, just just to add more color to that, you probably should say you've got like a ridiculous MBN connection at your house, right? Like you've yes. got like what two hundred megabit or something like that. To, which about two hundred and fifty. About yeah, two hundred and fifty. Yeah. Wow. So, um, pretty pretty damn good internet connection, but obviously my Wi-Fi Terrible setup's Wi-Fi. not great. <laughs> so, but even saying that, um, just sit, sitting, you know, I was, I was laying down down on the couch at the other end of the room, just playing on this on the phone. And it worked really, really well. Um, mm. I was actually... And the, the touch interface for Minecraft Dungeons was was really cool. Um, I haven't played Minecraft Dungeons normally, so I can't compare it to playing it for controller um, on a, natively on a console or whatever. But I was shocked. I'm like, man, I could really see this, you know. It, it's, it's just proof that this stuff can work even in its early stages. Um, and even with someone that hasn't got a very good Wi-Fi set up, it actually worked really well. The, but the problem I start to notice, and this is, I'd say, more so my setup than anything else, was if there were hitches in, you know, visually or, you know, gameplay-wise, the 
they weren't they, you could overcome them you, you're not playing these games you you know these aren't the optimal way to play these games so this is more like does it work and does it work to the point where i like and enjoy these games yes but the audio was the problem for me was that you notice a hitch in the audio way more than you notice hitching anything else because oh. if you've got a song playing as soon as it hitches it throws it's like man like it's it's really unnerving mm, so true. what i found was if i'm going to play any of these games i'm probably going to play them with background music off myself in with my current setup you know obviously i could if i go and grade uh, upgrade it and then test it and then that stuff is streaming better than fantastic but the audio was the biggest problem for me and that went for all these games but generally speaking minecraft dungeons really well next game i tested was tekken 7 because i'm like well game i can jump straight into a game that like all fighting games um delay you know input delay is huge um if you know if it has significant input delay and i was kind of shocked how well it worked honestly um i'm you know it's just sitting there just whacking away in practice i wasn't you know playing an online match or anything and i think this is this gets to brings me to my point that i think these games even something like tekken it's it's fine for this kind of service if you're just playing it single player and playing against cpu and you're not playing it to be a pro and pull off like frame perfect things but as soon as you start getting to that and start talking about multiplayer, that's where I think this stuff will have a huge impact. Um, well, now, I just want to jump in on one point. You know how you were saying about the audio? And this is a teaser for a segment later in the show, um, just about Slippy, the Super Smash Brothers Melee rollback uh, modification, where I was reading a long uh, article from the developer, and he was actually saying that the sound was almost the hardest part of the whole development that he had because it's so obvious when the sounds are wrong or they cut off abruptly and it's almost like we're in gen one or gen zero for streaming games they almost need to buffer the audio in the background and disconnect from the gameplay logic and then seamlessly smooth over the catch-ups because what it's doing right now it's just feeding you the audio directly so if there's any hitches yeah like you said it just you know cackles or crackles or does whatever it does right which is horrible yeah, and I noticed that for games that have sweeping orchestral kind of music, so one of the other games I was going to mention is Black Desert Online. Uh, that's interesting. It's an MMO. You know, I've I already had a character that was quite far into that game, so I'm like, I'm going to load this up. And it worked pretty well, but the soundtrack, again, was it has this, like, you know, orchestral music, and as soon as it hitches, it's like, ugh, it just yeah. throws you off. Um, and again, my setup is not optimal for my Wi-Fi. I'm, you know, completely admit that that... If I if I wanted to do this and I go and fix that, then maybe that'll be completely a, a non-issue. But just you know, everything else out of everything else in terms of gameplay, um, you know, del- uh, input delay, like the audio was the biggest thing for me. So mm-hmm. after Tekken Seven, so yeah, just to finish off with fighting games, I think for single player, just playing them for fun, just casually, it's fine. But as soon as you start to get, you know, ca- competitive that's where i think game streaming would be pretty tricky but again you know i'm not on an optimal setup so it was a really interesting try forza horizon 4 because out of all the games i tried this is the one that visually was probably the most impressive um and man i don't i never played forza horizon 4 i've only played two and three man that game still looks amazing forza horizon 4 it's just like just watching that running on i was playing these on my tablet. still yeah the latest one still 
Yeah, and like I've heard also the the upgrades for Series X and that uh, for Forza uh, Horizon Four are amazing. But but there are, but on that quick note, uh, apparently it doesn't actually hit what it can on PC on some of the settings. It's a really weird. They, they sort of improve some stuff, but some stuff for whatever reason they just kept it fairly low. Which is yeah. Really weird. But I will say, after Minecraft Dungeons, I was trying these all out on a tablet, so you know I wasn't on a little. Uh, phone screen i don't have a like a clip that i can attach it to my controller or anything so i needed so i could stand up well but uh yeah forza was pretty good you definitely when it comes to steering and input delay look there's definitely a delay there you know there Mm. is a delay and again my setup's probably gonna extrapolate that but as just playing especially in arcade racing you know forza horizon 4 is not a simmer of any kind it, it felt really nice like i was kind of shocked um Again, I'm sitting pretty close to my Wi-Fi as well. So, um, so but... if you're that close, why don't you why don't you just plug a an Ethernet cable in to your phone? Oh, it's got to go to the phone. I'm an idiot. <laughs> of course. All right. I'd I'll love to that, see that. That'd be that sick. Dumb comment back. Why don't you switch on? No, that's going to be the, the show title. <laughs> plug an Ethernet cable to my phone. <laughs> I wonder if there's actually a way to do it. Um, yeah. Why don't you just switch the 5G on your modem? I've, I have no idea. Are you afraid of nanobots or no? No, I just <laughs> autism like, or something. I was just using whatever setup. Like I'm, you know, me. I'm not technical, so there's stuff that I could do easily to improve that. And I just haven't done it yet. So that's um. I'm just just playing. Basically, I'm like, okay, how can I experience this with everything I've got set up? Let's see it. Um, and the last... a lot of people would have that set up, right? So I think it's actually a good representation of not everyone has 5G enabled on their modems. Yeah. Um, and the last game I tried um, was I want to try first person shooter. So I loaded up uh, Master, Halo Master Chief Collection, and mm. out of all the games, this was the game that got me into it quickest. I was kind of shocked mm. by that because I loaded it up. It's like, okay, what Halo game? I'm like, I want to try Halo Three. Load that up. <laughs> you know, you do a little bit of a intro part, and then suddenly I'm playing Halo Three. And I've never played the Master Chief Collection Halo Three, so it's interesting to see the work they've done on that, regardless. But and I was shocked. That's actually pretty good as well. Now, Halo's always kind of been uh, very, it's obviously very console <laughs> FPS, so yeah. it has a lot of inbuilt or um, aim assist and stuff more so than than most. But it felt nice. Um, again, I don't know how it would be competitive playing, um, but I definitely, like, we talked about that fighting games first-person shooters are probably going to be the trickiest to get across the line with with game streaming. But playing single player Halo actually felt really good, and that's mm. on a on my two point four connection. And now, what I did do is I went down to the other end of the house, and obviously you start to see it struggle down there. Um, mm. I imagine if I if that's that's hundred percent my setup. Like that is you know if you've got something where the Wi Fi is strong and you've got it you know on that five gigahertz whatever, and it's you know reaching ends of your house and stuff, you're probably gonna be fine with any of that. So, but for me, like, if in how would I use this? Honestly, I'd probably Minecraft Dungeons might be the only reason I'd use it at the moment because if I'm going, if I'm going to use it in my that part of the house where it, you know it's it's working well, I'm near enough to a console where I just play everything else that I want to anyway. Whereas Minecraft Dungeons, I can see myself just lying down on the couch and playing on touch controls because you know it's just gets you away from the TV and stuff like that. Mm. But overall, I was kind of shocked how well it worked. I really was. Um, it makes me think... So I heard I have heard a lot of good stuff about Stadia's technology and mm. how the streaming works with that. 
And it just makes me just wonder, like, just, man, they screwed that up so much because the technology probably works really well. It's just the model and everything. Whereas xCloud, having this as, and I should clarify, xCloud is kind of what they call it, but don't call it, you know, at some point it may be called just Xbox Game Streaming, which is kind of what the logos are and stuff. But as an additional service on top of something like Game Pass, I think this is fantastic. As a standalone service, would I spend money to and, you know, would I pay for this? No. But that's also because I don't... For anyone that has limited, you know, TV access where they've got multiple people in the house that are using the TV and stuff, I think there's a use case for that because then you could essentially jump off. And it does sync your cloud saves and everything. I will, you know, we talked about that last week. Um, it brought across everything I had already, which was pretty good. Oh, um, so that was one thing that I just wanted to confirm. So you can continue on where you were at on your Xbox. Definitely. Um, That's really handy, though, because I find I use the Switch mostly because of that, because I can continue on the toilet, in the bathtub, in bed, whatever, right? So I can see that as a really good use case as well. Yeah. Now, the only game I really got... So Black Desert, that syncs with the server, so your character's on the server, so that that was different. But with Tekken 7, it it kept all my progress and stuff when I loaded that up. Um, it didn't cool. keep my acceptance of the user agreement and stuff, so maybe that's console specific. So it treats that, oh, this is a new instance of the game on a new console, mm. so you have to that's agree to it. But okay. that's a small thing, you know. And I, I hope, hopefully, you don't have to do that each time you load the game up. But um, yeah, it's it carries that all across. That's really great. So I think that you know, if in a case where you know you've got housemates or a family and the the you can't always use the TV and just being able to just jump on and continue game streaming is, I think that's really good. It's almost like the Switch situation, but, it's, you know, it's just streaming it. So I think that's mm. that's a really good use case. But um, I wouldn't pay for this service separately outside of Game Pass at the moment just because it doesn't fit my, you know, the way I play games. But I think mm. it, I was kind of shocked how well it worked, I will say. Yeah, Mike, like I had the same idea as you. I, I, I still feel that because I'm just... As much as I do desperately want to try this, I, I just couldn't see myself playing it on the phone all the time. I'm not a big phone mm. gamer. Whereas if this came onto the Switch, it'd be huge for me because it'd be like, oh, cool. I can like play these games on the Switch. You know, you got your controls integrated in the system and everything. Like that would be huge if they were able to announce that. And then, it's, then the yeah. next level of that would be, you know, if the next Switch, the Switch Pro has... Um, you know, like 5G internet. So you could literally just go around anywhere and probably play it, um, you know. And I still think Google should have done or figured out a way to do a partnership with Nintendo because that's kind of like where Nintendo is lacking in, you know, those top-line next-gen games. If they had a deal on, like, a very good cloud provider like Stadia or xCloud, I think they would just kind of fill out their roster completely. You know, they wouldn't yeah, have to worry about these delays. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you've even seen with um, Doom Eternal how now that's been cancelled as a physical game. And, you know, some people are, uh, you know, hypothesizing that it will switch to being a streaming game. I don't think that's the case, yeah. but, you know, like they wouldn't have to put all that porting effort in. And I don't think they will in the future. They'll just go, this game's too crazy. It's not going on the Switch. We're just going to make it a cloud game. Yeah, this this sold me on cloud gaming being viable. Mm. Uh, as a future thing, definitely. And That's huge. The, la- the last thing I'll say as well is um, when you hit, I was using the Xbox controller, when you hit the like guide button, it brings up a very simplified guide, but I was interested to see that you can actually join 
see your friends and join parties and that through the next cloud, which was pretty neat. I wasn't expecting that to be able to actually do voice yeah, chat really stuff. Cool. So, too um, bad Integrate doesn't have. <laughs> no, but Anything. just if you, play, device, you, can't if join you anyone. jump into a multiplayer game, the fact that you're able to actually join a party straight through the Xcode game streaming, that's pretty cool. So. That is pretty yeah, cool. that's really that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. So hopefully you get it accepted so you can try it out yourself. <laughs> I just don't, dude, I reckon I won't get an invite. I reckon they've blacklisted me or something like that. Because I actually reached out to them because it wasn't working on the iPhone. And then a whole bunch of people subsequently also agreed. That, like, hey, you can't sign up on the iPhone. What's going on? So maybe they're annoyed at me as well. They put me on the list. Because they actually asked me, what's my gamer tag name or whatever it's called? <laughs> Seriously, like in a direct message. They're wow. like, what's, what's your actual gamer name? I'm like, here it is. <laughs> and I'm like, have they just put me on a list? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, no. It's, it's going to be gonna be cool. And, you know... Microsoft have been very, very sneaky. Um, so just segueing to a, another sneaky thing, sneaky game. That's a terrible segue. Um, <laughs> news this great week. segue. <laughs> Teaser trailer. Um, something that people have been wanting for a long period of time. So the Hitman developers, IO Interactive, and then have announced their newest game. So this would be following Hitman 3. is going to be an original James Bond game dubbed Project 007. Um, and I, I do like here, Swinney, uh, in our notes, this is some BTS, that this will be the 37th Bond game, which is wow. including all the mobile titles. But interestingly, this will be like nine years after the last console release, 007 Legends. And I don't know, personally to me, I don't feel like any game has really captured the zeitgeist since GoldenEye 007, which was what, like 98 from memory? Not Definitely not the zeitgeist, but there have been some decent games. Uh, Nightfire, mm. 007 Nightfire is fondly remembered. There's been a lot of crap games like Quantum of Solace. Oh, that was a horrible game. Bloodstone, which was an original game as well that had Dan Craig in it, wasn't too bad. Um, that was like a third-person game. That was a, a good shot at it, but it obviously didn't move the needle. But this, this is really interesting because out of anyone to give this mm. franchise to, there is no one better suited than IO uh, at the moment. This is this is almost a match made in heaven. That it's almost it feels like it can't miss. But from we've seen before, Bond titles definitely can miss. So. <laughs> but I mean, like, so we don't know much about the game outside of it's going to deal with where Bond started, like his origin story. Um, but we we don't even know if it's going to be. I mean, like we all assume, but we don't know for a fact it's going to be in a Hitman style game, right? Look, I have a feeling it's probably going to be a third-person game that is much more... It, it's open, but not as open as Hitman. I still think it'll be a bit more linear like structure. But the interesting part about this is that um, like this whole origin story... So for anyone that knows, Casino Royale is basically you know the story of Bond getting his double O status, and mm. that's kind of his origin story. So it's interesting that they're saying that there's they're exploring an original origin story. So does that mean they're just it's kind of like a Joker thing with telling a telling a new origin, or is it just leading up to that? It's really it's really interesting. Yeah, I think you know people in general have now just accepted that it's almost like you have an IP and then you can just explore whatever you want, including things that are non-canon. It feels like people don't really object to that anymore as opposed to even 10 years ago. So I'd imagine they're just going to do something completely new. 
Well, I uh, I actually, when I saw the run sheet, I actually got in touch with uh, one of the <laughs> the directors at IO Interactive. <laughs> and I have it in good faith that it's actually a story about Bond's parents and how they met and the subsequent origin of Mr. James. <laughs> so it's, it's... I can't reveal my sources, though, sorry. It's, so it's Bond, How I Met Your Mother style. Was that what Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and they're uh, like, it's not the one that everyone suspects it is. And then at the end, oh, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> it's exactly that. And it's going to go for about seven different games all up till you eventually find out who it is. <laughs> So yeah, I thought you're where you were going really was, disappointed. I thought you were going to say, and uh, Bond's parents are killed in front of him outside of a, a theatre where they just watch the play. <laughs> in an alleyway. Yeah, in a pearl necklace, just all the pearls fly over <laughs> the alleyway. And there were seven pearls exactly. <laughs> so I don't think we, they, have they said who's publishing this or is it, is it kind of said that IO is almost publishing this game? I don't know, don't know. Be- I mean, this be- is this is pretty hot off the presses generally, this news, so... Because the interesting part of that, so they've confirmed that they're working directly with MGM and Eon Productions, the movie studios behind the Bond franchise. This, If this goes well, and if IO Interactive are publishing this game, this is actually a huge deal for them because they, when they, so they got, uh, they, I guess, got, I don't know, the term, you know, they, they, they broke away from, ADOS Interactive or IDOS Interactive, right? So I don't know, like, exactly what happened there with, you know, did they buy, the people buy IO back out or whatever, but... Yeah, new management buyout. Yeah, so they're independent. So this is really, this is huge. If they're publishing this and it, it this goes gangbusters, then this is, that could set them up as a huge name, much bigger name in the industry. Um, that's, that's really interesting for me, so... Yeah, I, like, I don't know why this is not a more common thing where, you know... <laughs> You know, like Yacht Club Gaming, like Shovel Knight Makers, mm-hmm. where they're not just given a license to go make, you know, a new Mega Man game or something like that. Like, it, it, to me, it just seems so strange that they don't take, like, companies don't take more advantage of these, especially these indies or these smaller studios, like, kind of almost the classic AA studios back in the old days, to take these IPs on, and it would just dominate. And, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that this has a huge chance, because Hitman's a pretty popular franchise, but whack Bond on it and, you know, especially if they could tie it in with when the new movie... I mean, the new movie is already out. I don't even know. The new movies are all over the place these days. No, it got pushed back a bit. Um, so it got so, pushed, back, pushed back again. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know, because it's so confusing because different countries are getting different things at different times based on... Or even different you know, states. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, so no, interesting news. Um, yeah, we don't even know when a release date is... Uh, happening so yeah it'd be, it'd be interesting we'll keep our eye on it um and then in the next piece of news uh we have an update uh you know something that i love so we've we've listed as uh apple versus epic 4 the down under edition <laughs> so they, they've <laughs> they've paid attention you know we've covered this many times on the podcast i always get excited about the fight between epic games and apple and now they're taking the fight down to our shores um so being the nerd that i am i actually read the um, summary, uh, what do you call it in Australia? I can't remember. The the filings that they had uh, for the lawsuit. And it's kind of interesting. Like I read through it all and they, they've tried to link it into Australian, Australian consumer law as much as possible, which just for especially international listeners, 
Australia has some of the most protective for the consumer laws and protections in the entire world. Um, we even have policies where Sony have had to had massive refunds. So I think um, when Fallout 76 came out in Australia, you were entitled to a refund, even if you bought it digitally, because it didn't operate to a level that was acceptable in Australian law, which is pretty crazy. Well, Steam's refund policy pretty much got brought on by yeah. stuff happening on our side mm. with the ACCC. Yeah, true. So, you know, it's, it's a fairly uh, consumer friendly, which I think is a positive thing overall, because it's still you know, very incentive, incentivized to companies. Um, but there was probably two elements to it as well. It's, you know, Epic continues to want to apply pressure onto Apple. So they are looking at lawsuits in, in the European Union as well. And then I think they've also strategically taken advantage of the fact that the Australian Con- Competition and Consumer Commission, so the ACCC, ha- are looking into the App Store practices of Apple and Google. And I think that's in totality. I think that's you know, um, you know things like microtransactions, kids buying games, all that kind of stuff. The splits. Um, so they're they're investigating that at the moment, and I think yeah, Epic has taken advantage of that. And then I want to I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Do you think it's a coincidence with all these lawsuits from Epic that now Apple just randomly has has announced that they're going to alter the commissions for developers that have gross revenues of less than a million bucks from 30% to 15% their commission. This is interesting. Mm. Like, this is so much of a coincidence that it feels like it, it, it's like this can't be a coincidence, but also I know this stuff takes so much time to yeah. plan that unless, you know, if if Apple knew that Epic were going to, you know, put this uh, this filing in, in, in Australia well ahead of time and then kind of planned, okay, we're now going to implement this, what they're calling the App Store Small Business Program. Mm-hmm. So what is it, less than, earning less than 1 million uh, sales revenue per year on, 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 I don't know if it's all games or, it's probably all their games, I guess, they're publishing on the yeah, App Store. Yeah, it would be in their, like, um, their developer account. So it'd be yeah. everything under the developer account. It, but it it could just be, I'd say, really bad timing for for Epic because like a lot of the the whole thing that the ACCC was talking about in September was about this whole the the commission and stuff as well. So it's almost like this is, yeah. This, I don't know. I don't know about enough about the people, the amount of developers that would fall into this versus ones that fall out. Obviously, Epic well outside of this um but yeah it's it's interesting timing it really is yeah look i certainly think that this has become a big pr war more than an actual legislative law even though that they are fighting it out in courts you know i think i've said this before but i've really struggled to see how epic are going to win any of these court cases and in, in fact they've lost most of the summary judgments that they've had um which is not great for them, obviously. But I think it's more about that pressure, that public pressure around, you know, is this fair? You know, why can't I do more with my phone? Like the fact that I can't even install it on my phone if I choose to and I'm happy to take the risk seems a little bit on the nose. Like this is not brand new technology. And also it's not like they're selling the phones at a loss to then recoup it through sales of like apps and things like that. Like they're making money on selling the phone just outright. Um, and, and then the and other what, thing, yeah, go on. Sorry. And I was going to say, uh, and it'd be interesting to see how this goes, how much control should 
a provider of a service having the end. You mean you can't open it up completely where anyone can effectively do whatever you know they want on your platform. There's, there's a certain level that needs to be maintained, right? And there's certain, I guess, rules that they set that if you want to go into their platform, you have to abide by. So it's interesting that someone like the ACCC comes in because all of a sudden people effectively feel entitled that their game needs to be available on that particular platform or something that they make needs to be available because what too many people have iPhones. Like, what do you you know? How do you how do you draw that balance between it's a privately owned platform versus no, you need to make it open to whatever now. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I think part of it, there is an element of goodwill that has to be with all of these things. Because, you know, if you take, if you do the sort of, um, the mental experiment, like what happens if Apple says, well, we just don't like a certain developer and we're just going to boot them. I mean, everything in their agreements say that they can do that. Like if they just go, hey, we don't like the politics of this developer. So we're just going to turf them off the app store. Now, I think people would be, outraged by that and up in arms about it right so there is a level of goodwill that all of these companies have on their platforms so you know you can expand it out to say like nintendo sony twitter facebook everything and i do think there's an element of fairness here that has to play into this and i think it's really yeah go on sorry no so i was gonna say how do you how do you draw the line again as to what fairness is so for example you could argue that from a consumer's perspective in app purchases for Fortnite is actually a negative thing that it, you know, it's causing a lot of people to lose money. It's, it's causing some fraud. There's a lot of things that you could probably argue are actually negative to a consumer in some ways. It's good to have that option, but it leads to a lot of negative consequences. So Mm. you can almost say that Apple have, from a moral perspective, almost, they can take a stand and say, no, we don't want people. I mean, I'm, I know that's nonsense. It's not the reason why they would do it. It's it's the bottom line in the end. But they could actually even take a moral stance and say, we don't want to do it because we believe that games like Fortnite and their microtransactions and in-app purchases are actually negative to the community. Mm. I mean, like, that. yeah, but they would find that, I mean, like, th- that's their whole business model <laughs> now, really. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, How do you then argue that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't yeah, think they're going to do that. Gonna do that. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, I think ultimately, though, like... There is a level of, you know, how this is perceived and how it's perceived as being fair or unfair. And I think it's super smart for Apple to do this 1 million sales discount for people because I've already had friends go, oh, you know, like, how good is that? Maybe, you know, people should get back into this stuff. And for them, in terms of profit, like, they're not making money off the people making less than a million a year. Like, They've probably got most of their money from people way above a million. Like I would even hazard to guess to say they probably have like 80% of, of their revenue from developers that are doing more than a million bucks a year, probably even more as a percentage. So it's not going to cost them very much at all. I don't think. Um, and yeah, like it's good from a, from a sort of strategic uh, positioning sense. And and j- just the last thing for me on this one was uh GeForce now, and then all of the developers are trying to do this, all the sort of linking it into what we were talking about, xCloud. They're all trying to figure out how to start streaming things over Safari. And GeForce now supposedly (laughs) has got it working. So you can like load games in through Safari. And they're actually now working with Apple to be able to put Fortnite on that. So 
Like, I think they've got to keep their eyes peeled for that as well. And, and you know, knowing Apple, I would not be shocked if they tried to lock that down as well, which would, I think, really cause a lot of drama. So, yeah, no, no it's, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, with Fortnite being kicked off Apple, Fortnite being previously uh, nominated for Game Awards, takes us to our next topic on the Game Award nominees. Uh, so this week we actually had the nominations for the game awards from memory. The game awards is on the 10th of December. Um, and like this show, instead of being in front of a live audience, it's actually going to be, uh, at a studio and they're going to do it live. And it's also a bit strange. They're doing it from LA, Tokyo and London. So I think they're using, um, the London Philharmonica, um, uh, what do you call it now of what do you call those things? Not opera. Orchestra. So, orchestra. Orchestra. Sorry. Well, that's it. Um, so yeah, like it, it, I actually am really looking forward to watching it and, you know, we should look at, you know, do we do like a reaction or live reaction on of it or, you know, we'll figure out that offline maybe. I'm just interested um, to hear what a Philharmonica sounds like. <laughs> isn't that what it's called? The Phil London Hum- Philharmonic. Philharmonic. <laughs> oh, is it? Phil for the harmonica. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, Philharmonica, yeah. That, that's a new instrument uh, played so by what, 100 people. <laughs> which games are up for? Well, do you want to go through them, Mike? And, sure. and maybe maybe put put them in order of what you think that should win quickly. In order of what I personally think. Oh, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> From okay. number one to six. So. Okay, so let's, well, we'll let's do it the other way with... around. Do it, do it the other way around. Do the one that you think is last. All well, the way I, up to your number it's, one. It's, it's tough, though. It's really tough. How about I just go <laughs> them in whatever order okay, and okay, I'll quickly okay. do a debrief because I think I've played all of them. So Animal Crossing, New Horizons, that's the first one. Now, both you and I have played that significantly, I would say. I think it's an excellent game. Uh, huge reach. There's so many people that I think played that that weren't even, you know, traditional people that play a lot of games yeah so my girlfriend got hooked on that i think she probably put in more hours than i did well yeah it's like 26 million in six months so it's definitely got people who've never played games before yeah but i was actually shocked to see it nominated were were you swinny i wasn't shocked but i think I, i i know you've got a hunch about it and i think you might be right so we'll get to that okay okay i think it's an excellent game is it game of the year for me? Hmm, probably not. I did my thing and then it, it feels they try to go kind of broad, but then it felt a little empty towards the end, if mm. that makes sense. There, yeah. were, there just wasn't a it's lot of hollow. stuff you could do. Pretty hollow. That's, that's end, yeah. Animal Crossing. Swinney's <laughs> so, the Animal Crossing hater. He's just like, I played it on the Nintendo 64, the Japanese translation. I don't need to play it. Every Double to nobody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doom Eternal is the next one. So, that's the next one, yep. So I, I have also played that. I haven't finished it. I, I don't know how far into it I got, but I got into it enough to go, excellent game. It's, did you play I mean, it's, it's 2016? Yeah, I, I, that one I actually did finish. So to me, this was a bit of an extension of that, obviously. Oh, okay. Very you didn't find mechanics. it was different. Interesting. No, no, I, th- I thought it was different, but it wasn't It was an evolution of it. It wasn't, it mm. wasn't the impact okay. I think that 2016 had, where it felt like a fresh, new, different experience that went back to you know, that old school type of shooter that is arcadey fun. Um, whereas Doom Eternal just felt like a bit of an extension of that more polished, mm. added a bunch of new concepts, but it still felt like Doom. So excellent game. I, I do wonder though, because of, I guess, the more 
a lot of people play that game, but I don't know if if as many people would have had access to it as say Animal Crossing as an example. And I don't well, know. Obviously not. Animal Crossing sold more than everything on this list combined. Yeah, but it is it is also available through is it not on Game Pass now? Doom Eternal? Yeah. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. So it's in terms of reach, I can also see that I don't know what the numbers are. I'd be interested to see. I could see a lot of people probably have downloaded it on that as well. That's so true. You can probably get close to the twenty six mil. Uh, did you guys play it yet? No, no, I, I'm waiting for it to come on PC on I, Game Pass. I'll, I'll just get ahead of this. I haven't played any of these games. I'm just getting ahead of this. <laughs> Mike has played all of these games. <laughs> Swinney's played I have, but none. to be fair, three of these are <laughs> PlayStation exclusives. So. Yeah. so the next one is a PlayStation exclusive, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yep, which I, I don't know what is wrong with me. So I was looking forward to this game probably more than any other game mm. in recent memory. I love oh, Final Fantasy okay. VII as a kid. Finished it, put in, I don't know how many hours into that one. And I, I love the the remake and I love playing it. And then I don't know what happened. I kind of just, just dropped it and other things got in the way and I never went back to it. So now that I have the PS5, I'm hoping I can start it again and, and play it in 60 FPS. But I'm reading that it doesn't actually have that yet. They haven't patched that yeah, through. So there's no... Could be incentive, I guess, to start that again. Um, but I could totally see how this would, to me at least, if I had finished it, would probably be a pretty strong contender, if not the number one. So, you could. What would you rank Final Fantasy VII? Obviously, the original in your roughly in your list of Final Fantasy games, Winnie. Oh wow! Okay, um, it, it's it's dropping, it's dropping over the years. Let's, let's <gasps> put it there. How dare you! How dare you, sir? In front of it, come sure. outside in the car park right now. It's uh, that that's a topic for another day. Uh, what's the next <laughs> game? Okay, Ghost so the next game, Shima. That's right, Ghost of uh, Sushi, which I have also played. Uh, I don't know how much I talked about this last time. I thought it was an excellent game, super solid experience. The thing is, I found it had that sort of early Assassin, Assassin's Creed vibe where slash any Ubisoft title, really, where it felt like it took one concept and then just multiplied it 20 times across the map. And as a result, there wasn't really that sense of exploration that you get from some other games. So if I was to use, you know, Demon Souls as an example, you feel like it's awesome exploring every single tiny corner of every map. Granted, mm. the maps are a hell of a lot smaller because there's something there. There's something different. It's all handcrafted. It's, it's, it's awesome. And whilst obviously Ghost of Tsushima is also handcrafted, a lot of the parts feel like it's just a rehash of the same but thing. You're talking, so, you're talking about two very different genres. One's an open world game. I know game. that. I know that. It's really hard to <laughs> And one's not to. an open world game. I'll use a different example. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. Okay. Big open okay. world the, to me, that was always more of an incentive to go check out a different place because everything felt fresh and different. Oh, Whereas really? with I, this, I find it very repetitive as well, to be honest. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Yeah, well, every, every game in the end is going to be repetitive to some extent. Obviously, that's the nature of games. But I just I feel know, the map was more unique and handcrafted. Whereas with this, it felt like it, it took... Say, for example, um, you know, the, the typical thing you get in Ubisoft games where you have an enemy camp and you need to go and take it out and kill the leader or something. Same sort of concept, maybe 10 different times with 
different layouts and stuff like that. Now, that's not a huge deal breaker in the end because there's so many things about this game that are excellent. The gameplay was fantastic. Um, I can easily see this as being game of the year for a lot of people. Yeah, I I, I totally could, yeah. It isn't for me personally, but I I totally could. If only there was an Assassin's Creed game that just came out that just actually went against that whole concept, that'd be interesting. (laughs) Hmm. So I, I think Goose, Goose, uh, Goose Ghost of Tsushima was a bit of a shock Sush- for everyone oh, in terms of I so how... want to see Goose of Tsushima now. <laughs> Goose oh, of that is, that's the episode title. I'm sorry. It's like the, the untitled Goose game with, <laughs> with some katanas. Um, so I, I think it did surprise everyone because, you know, at first there was a lot of hype for it. And then for whatever reason, people started to just be really fearful of the game and it was going to suck or something because they didn't really show much of it um just before it released but i think in the end like that's just blown away people that game and all the dlc that they've had free dlc post the game actually coming out and i think it was um a little bit like the next one hades where that surprised people how good that was yeah i talked enough about that one yeah and then and then the last game and this game to me is like Odds on, clear favorite. I'd be very, very shocked if this next game's not going to win. Yeah, same. The Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was thinking you were going to say it. No, no, I was waiting for you. Again, <laughs> I've talked about this enough. Excellent yeah. game. Loved it. Not as but much I, as the first one. But so, out of, yeah, out of these six, preference. which one would you say is your game of the year? Because you're the only one that's played all six. So, Just I'm out of these to go, six. Out of these six, I'm going to have to go with The Last of Us, purely yeah. because it's the one that I finished properly whereas but, the other ones i didn't give them enough justice if that makes sense i maybe but if got you halfway. if you ranked them all and said hey any game that was released this year or in december last year you would put demons souls as a number uh, one yeah of course uh, interesting. interesting any interesting. any year any decade so i actually read all the rules <laughs> and how it worked so demons souls was within the cutoff for this year so, right so how come it's not on the list well, some games don't make the list, right? But hmm. supposedly, like, I've read other interviews with Jeff Keighley, and he's sort of like, look, you know, even with the rules, like, they bend the rules. So, they will get, I think they've added Among Us into some of the nominations. Is that right, Swinney? Uh, I believe so, yeah. So, there's about 30 different categories. Yeah. And Among Us is in Best Mobile Game. Um, <laughs> Which came yeah. out in 2018. So and and like hmm. So, people went at him about that, and he goes, look, it wasn't relevant, and now it is relevant. Hmm. And I'm like, mm, okay, fair enough. I actually yeah, like I, that they do. I, it like I think that. that's fair. En- no, yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, game it's game of the year, not game made that year. Oh, so don't know you about can kind of. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair enough one because you can get certain games that have a massive resurgence, and maybe they were made five years ago, but they're super popular and they have this massive impact on the gaming community that mm. year. And I think, I think that. You know, that's a perfect example. Yes, it's a mobile game, but you could probably also include it as part of Steam because it's also available on Steam. And you can see how it's fair to have it because it's it's huge. Like, I mean, there's so many memes about it. Everyone's talking about it. There's so many people playing it. Yeah. And was like, there's one game for me that stood out that I was like pretty surprised it wasn't nominated. Was there anything for you guys? Not in the game of the year, but I've got a couple really? of those okay. other categories. So when you've... Uh... Yeah, I can't think of... Because a lot of the big games that I can think of, I think, came out last year, at the end of last year. So yeah. mm. so, so for me, I was really shocked that uh, Half-Life Alex wasn't on the list for game of the year. Oh, yeah. 
Just wow, like that, that all accounts that it? people have played it, they've said it's just so amazing and it's well deserving of being a Half-Life game. So, yeah, mm. I was just really surprised it wasn't nominated. Thanks um, for reminding me. I have a copy of it, actually, that I never played. <laughs> I know. An- another one of those games. I'm such an idiot. I have all these amazing games and I haven't touched them. Oh, God. So, Swinny, other categories? Yeah, so... Cause- I mean, there's a lot of them, but some I'll just mm. kind of want to call out. So it's interesting that for best score in music, Doom Eternal's up because we know that there was a whole massive controversy about Doom Eternal with uh, Mick Gordon and, and its software and everything there. So it'd be interesting. And they actually did say the composer. They're like Mick Gordon. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what I are want... they going to do? Because I think that's a bit <sighs> controversial as well because there wasn't just one composer in the end. Yeah, but I mean, Mick Gordon's actually performed at the Game Awards yeah, previously. So what, what happened for the people who are out of the loop? Do you so want there to was run a, through it quickly? It was a lot to do with... Look, I'm not going to give all the details because I don't know all the details, but it, it got oh, to do I, with I, I the do official it's soundtrack of Doom oh. Eternal. So. I, I know, because like, I read all of it. I was like really okay. interested in what yeah. happened. So just very, very briefly. So Mick Gordon, Australian composer, very, very cool, uh, did mm-hmm. Doom 2016, and he did do Doom Eternal as well. They wanted to do, um, because everyone loves the soundtrack so much, they'd promised to release like a vinyl version of the soundtrack. So Ooh, like an original cool, soundtrack yeah. composition with the game. So with Doom Eternal. Mm-hmm. And they actually delayed the entire collection because uh, Mick Gordon wasn't able to deliver the uh, composed tracks on time. And then Hugo, the guy who runs id now, he kept on like personally reaching out to Mick and was like, what's going on? So he was like, you know, reaching out three weeks before they had to print it. Like, you know, can you send us the files? Can you send us the compositions? Then they ended up having to use uh, one of the internal audio guys. So he's not like a composer. And he did like mixes of some of the songs and they used other songs from Mick himself. And they created the soundtrack because it was so overdue released it and then there was a whole bunch of people that were complaining about it because it was like some of the tracks the way they were composed were like perfect and then others were a bit like just not to the level that you'd expect and it turns out that yeah some were composed by one person who had to do it under like duress almost and like had to really (laughs) quickly get through it yeah Mm. and then mick came out and saying oh this is crap i didn't do these ones they're horrible and wow. basically, at that point, it was like, okay, well, the relationship with this guy severed, which is unfortunate because, you know, there was such Damn, a good, yeah. like, branding between those two creat- Plus it's, creators. That, uh, we talked about this last week. Sound is such a critical part of a game, and the music in that is just perfect. Mm. So, but it's interesting, though, because um, the new DLC obviously doesn't have Mick at all. Um and I never really hear much about that, like in terms of people saying, oh, it just doesn't sound as good or whatever. A lot of people so, probably don't even know about it, you know what I mean? It's, maybe. I, I wasn't in the know. I played both games and I didn't actually know any of that. So he did do Doom Eternal. Missed. Yeah. So it's just, he, he did all the tracks. It's just like when you compose it into like a CD or a vinyl or something, you have to remaster it. Yeah. Um, because obviously it's different for a game, the way that they structure it with the dynamic sound. So, so yeah, of course, yeah. A couple of so other things. what if he just... wins, dude? Swinney, do you reckon he's going to actually accept the award? <laughs> I think he will because... Um, but will I they let him? Because this is like a Kojima thing, right? <laughs> I think, look, yeah. But he's the I, new Kojima. I don't think it's software as... as uh, Konami is a very different beast than it's software. So, but um, 
Yeah, so just some other notes I wanted to make. So it's good to see Tell Me Why in Games for Impact. That's really, really great. Um, obviously, I played through that earlier this year. Spirit Fairer as well. Um, mm. Now, innovation in, in access... Uh, sorry, <laughs> I can't say this oh, word. Accessibility. Now, now that's going to be the show title. Accessibility, yes. <laughs> yes, innovation in accessibility. <laughs> that's actually really cool because... I when when you start up uh, Valhalla, like we'll get to Valhalla soon, but it's just something mentioned here. There's actually a lot of accessibility options, way more than any other uh, Assassin's Creed game. So it's actually yeah, interesting that, that they've actually put this in here. And the last thing I want to mention was they've got best multiplayer game, and they've put Animal Crossing New Horizons up for it. <laughs> oh, no, that's so that's bad. not really a multiplayer game, is it? The multiplayer is horrible. Exactly. Like, there's nothing yeah, I in there. Really call it multiplayer. There's nothing at all. in there <laughs> to like with sharing. Talk- we've talked about before the yeah. fact that. Like, there's so many little things Nintendo could do just to facilitate and make a huge, like, community out of the multiplayer of that, yeah. and they just don't do it. I still laugh at at the fact that my girlfriend and I shared the same island, and we would collaborate and do everything together and, and take turns, and we'll give each other items, and I'll build stuff for her and vice versa. And you and your wife, <laughs> you guys had to get completely different switches for that game. <laughs> Well, do you guys have anything else to cover on the Game Awards? Because nah, you've just opened enough. up the greatest yeah. segue ever. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so beautiful segue. Thanks for that, Mike. Uh, Animal Crossing. So there was a news update. Um, so the winter update, but it's summer update for us. And buried at the back end of uh, the winter update was the announcement that they've finally given the ability for people to transfer their whole island to a new Switch or... Yeah. Nice. Transfer just a resident from the island to another switch. Okay. So you know your situation. You could literally move off your island, or your girlfriend can move off your island, and you know have her own switch and her own island. It'll most likely be me that gets kicked out. But yes, <laughs> well, I don't good. know if that's true because I think it's the island resident, like the head resident or whatever. I don't think I they th- can leave. Ah, oh, I think I'm the head resident. Yeah, there that's you go. Okay. There you go. And there's all like, you know, there's all these rules. It's a bit finicky. It's quite crazy, actually. You have to install an app. It's got like an actual app that you wow. have to install. Why, on Switch. Why, why the is hell? That? Yeah, why, why the hell? Make so many. <laughs> what? Hoops you got to jump through for something as basic as that. I don't get it. <laughs> I think it's it's like they, the they trickle in quality of life improvements <laughs> just so they have something for people to. I don't know, look forward to every release or something. Why can't they just make all those things? The base game, I don't get it. Look, Nintendo's not good at that kind of software engineering stuff. So it's horrible. It's really I think, just annoying. I think what it is, this is my theory on how they've done it, right? Because when you're in the game, you're editing the code and then you're also accessing the save file. So I think they're looking at it and going, let's install an app so then the other app isn't live. They can edit the save data. I bet that's what it's doing. It's editing the save data and then mm. like verifying. Because... Nintendo, one thing about Nintendo, they are obsessed about you not being able to duplicate or like try to generate new items or anything like that. So it's very specific. It's like you have to be online. You have to have both switches on. They both have to be up to date, both on the same firmware, not booted into the actual games and then boot into that app that does the transfer. So it does, I bet it does this thing where it's like it will like remove it from one switch, have it on the other. So you never get a scenario where you can actually duplicate it. But you may be able to risk having lo- losing your resident altogether or your island altogether. But I so, mean, why do they inconvenience so many people that 
would not want to sit there duplicating or cheating or breaking the system anyway. In a game which, by the way, isn't even really a multiplayer game. Correct. So what are you going to do? Like du- duplicate items and then do what with it? It's not a competitive game. It's you- You'll know, share something with this. someone. They've done. It's, it's like- such a stupid obsession. It doesn't even make any sense <laughs> when you think about it. So, there, was a, there was a trick that you could do to duplicate any item and they patched it out so quickly. Like they literally released just this little you know, 0.0.01 type patch just to get rid of it. No, right, but um, you can still time travel and stuff to, to cheat well, and do no, other things. No, 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 they changed so. that as well. So you can't... They have. You can, you can time travel backwards, but it's very hard to stop anyone doing that. But you can't time travel forwards. If you time travel forwards, it does nothing now. Ah, oh, okay. Because well, before it would trigger the too. events, but it doesn't do that now. This whole thing reminds me of... Did you guys ever trade Pokemon back in the uh, original Game Boy days? Yes. You mean like on the game? The game, yes. So yeah, yeah. with the, the transfer cable between two Game Boys yeah, and yep. how there was this trick where you could like disconnect at a certain time and it would keep a copy of the Pokemon in each on each version of the game. <laughs> I do remember that, yes. And yeah. so I, I had a friend of mine that's like, oh, I really want this. Uh, I had like a level 100 Articuno, right? Which yeah, yeah. all my Pokemon named after wrestlers. I can't remember what his name was, but uh, <laughs> it's probably Stone Cold or something. Uh, Stone Cold. Because it was an ice yeah. Pokemon. But um, And he's like, okay, let's do this. And then he disconnected and none of us got it. <laughs> oh, so he was lost. Lost. Was gone into so the was lost, lost. Lost him. Wow. Oh, like I just you ever wondered what happened to that Pokemon? In the background. Just... I was so shattered. Like as a as a kid, like you, like it took ages to get a Pokemon to level one hundred back in the original one. And I'm like, oh my oh, yeah. god. Do you still talk to this guy? I assume not. No, why? <laughs> what? Am I going to be like, can you go into the ether and get my old Live 100 Pokemon? No, no, but I can imagine how this would just completely destroy a friendship. Uh, I, I wasn't happy, but I mean, it wasn't really, I wouldn't say it's his fault. Like, we were trying to do something super dodgy. It was on me for agreeing to it. <laughs> wow. You could use the save editor these days and generate it. There you go. You can you can ring him up and <laughs> <move it> on. <laughs> uh, so the other Great. thing, I, and I should say, my wife who is obsessed about Animal Crossing, she still plays it. Wow, dude, she plays it all the time. It's like five hundred hours or something like that. Um, Holy moly! She like so for a Christmas present, I'm getting her like pretty much all of the amiibo cards, and they that's just what that photo was. I was. Yeah, wondering yeah. What that was. We did a whole okay. segment on it, Mikey. Who yeah, so so. I sent so this is behind the scenes stuff, but I, I sent you guys a photo and guess how much as a percentage of the cards that is that I sent through. Uh, like is that is that like twenty percent of the 10. cards that we got? Ten percent. Ten percent. Ten percent. I'd say it's like about three or four percent. What? <laughs> Can I ask how much that all costs? Oh, uh, it, more than a PlayStation Five. five. Okay, so about a thousand bucks. It's a lot. It's crazy. It's insane. What's the what? These are all for her, and she intends to use them, right? It's not. She loves them, dude, thing, man. So she only opened up a few packs, yeah. And she's got like these penny slips, so you know, like protective slips on them. Wow. And she just like she looks at them all the time. <laughs> she just like opens it up, looks it's at amazing. it. Amazing. Do your she children just like... get ignored now? They're sitting there starving, <laughs> See, my... crying out. My no, no, okay. Hunger. Can I just say? Can I just say? So she actually, with our son, our eldest son, is three. She's like, oh, I don't want to open it in front of him because I don't want him to touch it. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, Mike, I even suggested that uh, because apparently, uh, you were saying that she doesn't plan or the whole point of this was collecting as opposed to using him to scan into the game. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. And I said, well, can't you just like figure out some way to like get the PDFs and f- contact a printer to print them out? And like, and, and he said that they'd like, you know, they'd get divorced over that if you found out he'd counterfeited. Jeez. <laughs> oh, wait, can't, can't you load them into the game and then you still have the physical card, right? So what's the. Oh, she's just not interested. Like, I think she might use some of them to load in because you can scan the cards and get that resident, you know, that animal resident to come yeah. to your island. But, you know, she still said the other day, she's like, I can't believe Swinney suggested to counterfeit this. This would, that, like, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Like, what a crazy suggestion. Like, she was so angry about it. <laughs> Did you guys, so, on that topic, I was watching this video about um, the... Pokemon <laughs> cards and how there's a huge industry about opening oh, the cards. Yeah, it's massive and now. Did you yeah. did you see the one? I forget the guys who uh, who ordered a pack. It was a video talking about um, about how there's some shady things happening in in the whole community. And there was a group of guys who run a big YouTube channel, and they ordered a pack. And I don't quote me on this, but it was like two hundred thousand bucks or something they paid for. Are you it talking about Logan Paul? Are we talking about no, Logan? no, no, no? This was post that. I think they this went. This is critical. I think. Yeah, oh, something oh, yeah, like that. Voice it was, critical, it yeah, was yeah. the same guy who I think gave the packs to Logan Paul. The same, the same dude they used to get their hands on this pack. And anyway, when they went to open it, it was it was fake. Oh, it had already been opened, oh, no, that's, sealed, that's all this dodginess. It was it was completely dodgy. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean that's yeah. that's becoming common. I think with Animal Crossing, there was a point where people were counterfeiting them because. You know, per card was like $100, but right now, like, it's gone back to normal. But the one that I'm more familiar with is with, um, and now this sounds really nerdy, but with NBA cards. Okay. uh, The 86 season, which is when Jordan started. So, like, his rookie season card is worth, like, heaps of money, like, tens of thousands of dollars, like, even a decent version of it. Really? Wow. I need to dig up my old cards. I've got a whole bunch that I bought. Well, the trick with it is, though, with these cards, when they came out, right, they actually had a specific order. So, as soon as you open the pack and you see the first player, Ah. right, they're supposed to be randomized, but they're kind of not, right? It's like, as soon as you see that first player, there's a set Mm. order of who's next, who's next. So, basically- people can just fake that as well, though, right? Well, no, but some of them are too stupid. So, what people were doing Ah. was they were making these fake ones and people were opening it up and going, wait a second, this is not like the right order. Like, this is an order that doesn't exist for these cards. And because people are opening it on YouTube channels and stuff like that, like recording it mm. for it, they're like, got it on tape. They're like, well, wait a second, you sent me this pack. This literally cannot be the ordering of the pack. And it's like the pack is like, what the, it's, it's, I love this kind of stuff because it's so crazy. What people are doing is like they're heating up the pack or something to loosen the glue or mm-hmm. something or like removing the foil some way without actually damaging it. Yeah, they, they do that with the Hot Wheels cards. and stuff like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just heat it's it up so and then they take off the top and... It's so it's bad, amazing, man. It's it? so bad. Super bad. Um, and we should point out as well with the Animal Crossing update. So, they're also upgrading your home storage. So, if you've paid off your house, you can upgrade it to 2,400 slots. Um, and there's new reactions, hairstyles, and then there's new events coming up. So, there's Turkey Day, which is Thanksgiving. There's Toy Day, which is the day before Christmas, and then there's New Year's Eve events, which I, I find hilarious that they refuse to use the actual names for these things. Like, they'll call it something else. It's, it's so weird, don't you reckon? Man, it's like me. Like, I prefer, you know, I'm not religious in any way, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to use Xmas, and right? I'm like, I'm going to use Xmas all the time until I realize that Xmas just means, like, Christmas. Same thing. 
It's just X <laughs> literally means Christ. I'm like, God damn it. Damn it. Uh, nice, nice. Um, and sticking in Nintendo space, uh, we had an update. So I think you described this as the least Nintendo thing that you've seen in a long time. So yeah. Nintendo, like, randomly published a 1.1 update to Super Mario 3D All-Stars Collection. And, you know, they had, as the headline on Twitter, hey, we've, like, you know, fixed the inverted controls, which we did mention, actually, when the game came out. Some people kind of can't play when it's, like, not inverted. And some of the controls, that's actually originally how they were. So some of the speedrunners were like, wow, this feels really wrong, how the the camera controls are different. But what was buried, at least in the real, like, public announcements on Twitter, but it was in the release notes, was... They mentioned that you could use the GameCube controller, which I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting because that was the first thing I tried to do with Sunshine and it didn't work at all. And not only did they patch it in that you could use the GameCube controller, it actually allows you to use the analog trigger for the GameCube controller, pretty much mirroring exactly how you could play it on the GameCube, the Sunshine, which, like, I have to say, dude, I was so excited about that to the point where given that this is a christmas present when i fire this up i actually think sunshine will be the first game that i play through this is this is huge because i it the way that they handled it with using the trigger and the bumper was admirable okay you've got you've got Mm. to get around this problem but it is not the best way to play it like using that analog trigger so my, What's the issue, my, though? Sorry, can can you explain for Lehman? So I was about to played? I was about to get to that, Mike. Okay. So for because I don't think you probably have played through Sunshine. So with no, the GameCube analog trigger, you it was it was literally analog. So the more you hold oh. it down, the stronger that the Mario would shoot the the water cannon flood. Ah, and okay. as soon as you clicked it all the way in, in and it like clicked, then he would stop on the spot, and you could aim in first person or like you know with an, with first person control. Mm-hmm. Flood, which is integral to the game, and because it was the, a very fluid movement, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and because the switch, Come on, um, <laughs> there we go. Um, because <laughs> I gave you a laugh. Because the switch had doesn't have an analog trigger. What they did instead was they made it so the the trigger. I don't know was ZR ZR whatever they call them, right? Um, but the trigger was basically would would do the you know act as when you're just running around shooting it and then the bumper would act as you stopping on the spot. So it split uh. the control into two buttons as opposed to using the analog and the button press at the bottom of the analog. So it was awkward, but you got used to it. But this this is awesome. The fact that they now patched it, you can just use a game controller now. That's really cool. Got to clarify. It's weird if they didn't just include analog triggers on the Switch. Yeah. So the got to clarify, not only obviously do you need to have a game controller on the adapter, but... Um, that also means that you have to play it in docked because there's no way to use the game control without it being docked. So people that, you know, obviously there's, if you wanted to play it in Switch Lite, then you're, you're out of luck, but that's it. You know, that's... Yeah, it's a real shame that there's no way to play it on the Switch Lite at all. Like yeah. there's no way to even, if you've got a, you know, stand or something like that and you plug it into the USB-C, like there's just no way to do it. There's not even a third-party adapter or anything for the Switch Lite to allow you, which is a real shame, I think. Mm. Um, and I did check, this is not the first time that you've been able to use the analog triggers on the GameCube controller. There was a racing game that patched it in. Um, and I just thought that was fascinating because I don't know how the tech works then in terms of the analog triggers. Like it's quite weird that they have that functionality in the system. 
Well, well I guess it lo- probably just reads the pressure that's put onto it as yeah, a number well, from one to two fifty five or whatever. And yeah, no, no, I get that, but it's just it seems strange to me that it's assigned to the same button as like basically a ZR, I think at least, mm. or an R or a ZR, but it's not actually like this. The switch doesn't have analog triggers; it's got digital triggers. So why do they even have the analog thing in the background there? But the last thing that I just wanted to say, and just looping back to the sort of is this a Nintendo move from Nintendo, given this game is going to stop being on sale at the end of March. I think this just further consolidates my point that they want to use the framework that they've built with Super Mario 3D All-Stars to then use as a platform to release more GameCube games, more Wii games, and more 64 games. And, you know, they're Mm. patching this GameCube adapter thing working, that means they oh well they pretty much can release any GameCube game and then the real hardcore people can use a GameCube controller to its full extent. That's and I, I feel like that good that's going to yeah. happen. Mm. Mm. And you know, moving on to our final news topic, uh, in a very very Nintendo move, hmm. Nintendo has taken uh, <laughs> the world of Melee and really smashed it again. <laughs> so not until not from like <laughs> oh, 2013. You're full of yeah, not from 2013 when they shut down uh, Melee being used at, at E3. Uh, sorry, E3. At um, uh, Save Me Here, Swinney. Uh, Evo. Like, e- Evo, shit, sorry. Evo. Um, I think it was Evo 2013, that's why you're thinking the three. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 2013 Evo, uh, where they basically said, well, you, you don't have a license to use our game, so you can't have Evo uh, Melee at Evo. As, as we have spoken about in the... Um, prior podcast so slippy and just to run through it really quick and for you as well mike essentially what mm-hmm. happened was that there's a really good wii and gamecube uh, emulator on windows called dolphin and everyone was playing melee through dolphin online and it wasn't that yes, great this, yeah. and there was a coder who started to like he learned a lot about rollback netcode and essentially all it means is you know, there are delays in the inputs, but then it would almost take a sort of a, a, a chronology of well, who actually pressed the punch button first in reality. Like there was a delay of when we received it, but yeah. you could almost timestamp those things on each computer and then go, well, wait a second. The other guy actually punched me first. I got it delayed. Right. But what they do is then they kind of reverse engineer it in the game so that, oh no, actually I should have punched you. So like, let's make that be what happens and roll it back to that event. Okay. You know, so long story short, it just means that the game, and even for professionals, when they're playing it, they feel like it's actually like a local game, which is, you know, for these guys, and given how twitchy this game is, is huge to the point where they're all like, it's super playable, like online now, uh, Smash Brothers Melee. So given COVID, there haven't been any like local events for Smash or any fighting game really uh, in the US or Europe. And even in Australia, the local scene's on hold at the moment. So having this this mod, this slippy mod that allows you to play Melee with rollback netcode, it's been really huge for the community. And now we're starting to see some events get lined up. Um, so we actually talked about uh, the Slippy Champions League recently. And just, you know, I thought that was really, really cool. That led into uh, Summit Online, which is what they just ran recently. And then... There's a big event called the Big House, um, which they run every year in December. They weren't going to run it, and then they switched it to being online. And then Nintendo actually had reached out to them saying, hey, you need to shut this down. You're using our game illegally, and we don't want you to do that. And supposedly, the Big House basically 
said, well, we're going to proceed with using it. And then Nintendo said, well, okay. And they actually sent them a cease and desist letter to shut them down. Um, And, you know, given that they don't have a huge, you know, uh, war chest, uh, the organizers of the big house decided to shut the whole event down. And it was going to have Melee and Smash Ultimate. So it's kind of interesting that they didn't run it even just with Smash Ultimate. Um, But yeah, so... (laughs) pretty huge like the melee community was super upset about this and kind of like i do understand where they're coming see from why, yeah. but yeah like i can see where nintendo are coming from in a, in that sense as well but i feel like their image is so or the image that they try to portray about being this family friendly gaming organization and what they do in real life is so different they're 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 one of the most guarded corporate entities that you can almost think oh, of yeah. in so many ways it's nuts yet the games that they do are meant to be so community friendly and open and it's a complete i don't know it's it's weird mm. and and Sweeney, do you think that like i guess two parts of this like do you think that they're able to actually do this in the first place and then secondly do you think it's right like or fair that they've done this well, I think they're able to do it for various reasons, not even knowing the laws, because it's mm. like they we know and the community will admit that they use ROMs, right? Mm. Because it's you know, you have to, you know, and not everyone's gonna go through the process of backing their own ROM up, like, you know, the law states for emulation and stuff. But this is one of the biggest arsehole moves I've ever seen from Nintendo. Probably the biggest <laughs> arsehole move I've seen since E3. Uh, sorry, yeah. I did the same problem as you, Evo 2013. Yeah, the Evo 2013 <laughs> we, and, was crazy. And, you know, you just listen to, like, people like Hungrybox, uh, Armada, um, YouTube King just talking about this. This is essentially, like, this can kill the community at the moment. You know? Oh, yeah, I think so. And the reason why this is such an arsehole move is that we are literally in a global pandemic mm. where they cannot run these events in person using proper copies of the games. Everyone who is competing, not everyone, but majority of people competing in this game probably owns a copy of Melee physically. Oh, yeah. Right? Or multiple copies and whatever, and has bought all the other Smash games. But they cannot hold these events for public safety reasons, various reasons, right? Um, people can't travel even if they, you know, could hold these uh, in person. To shut these down during the pandemic is the biggest arsehole move, and I think that's one of the main reasons why... You're never buying a Nintendo product again. No, why I think this will... Actually, I think Nintendo will backtrack on this at some point. Surely they will. And because of that reason, there's also... The community's being pretty smart. They're setting up charity events now. So that when Nintendo go to shut them down, they can also say, look, you're shutting down these charity events. You know, they need to do <laughs> this stuff because otherwise the community the community will be at least until the pandemic did. I think I forget who it said, it maybe may have been Hungrybox said it's like either COVID dies or if community dies. You know, it's mm. like they can't, you know, they they can't run these events. And it's yeah. and if anyone says, well, it's just the video game stuff. Yeah, but I mean, communities or anything rely on being able people coming together and being able to to actually do what they the community does. And absolutely, they yeah. physically, they literally cannot do it without this this mod that has been a lifesaver for the community. Like for Mike, you, I like I don't know if you realize like how big this mod was. This essentially brought melee back. No, I, I heard it from you guys before, yeah. and I think I think one of the 
obviously the, the COVID stuff is very critical, but I think the key point is what is Nintendo really losing? When you think about piracy in general, okay, fair enough, you want to shut down certain things because it's hurting your bottom line, it's it's causing reputational issues, etc. But as you said, more than likely, all of the people entering these tournaments and playing this already have physical copies. They already paid their bid. They just need to find a way to make that experience better in this situation that we find ourselves in. So mm. what are they losing in the end? You know, it's not like they're losing sales or something. So, Well, you know, and, and just on that, so, you know, I, I one thing that I didn't really think enough about was the point that you made, Swinney, that, like, yes, I always accepted that this is a bit of a asshole move from Nintendo, but the part around, they are really incentivizing people to join in person again for these type of events which is a very dangerous thing to in a pandemic, especially when you're talking about you need to be close. You need to be close because it's like you're then playing it on a CRT. Like you can't really stretch those things out very far anyway. So physical proximity needs to be close, which is not great. Um, So I didn't really think about that. That's a real dangerous thing that they're now incentivizing. But I was chatting to my wife about this because she's a a lawyer and a lawyer in this space, actually, like with uh, IT and software licensing and stuff like that. And when I was chatting to her about it, the thing that jumped out to her, and I didn't really appreciate this, uh, but now it kind of makes a bit more sense, is because of this mod, this mod is actually transformative. And just around, like, you know, the law and how it deals with these type of IP licenses, if you transform something and you start to set precedence and, you know, like acceptance around the transformative work, it actually is like a really clear breach of like your, of your licensing rules. Now, like ultimately Nintendo can always just say like, we never licensed you to do this. Like essentially like all of these games, you know, even though they're streaming it, they could shut them all down and they have done that previously. Uh, And I should also just point out quickly that Age of Calamity released in Australia a little bit earlier than other places in the world. People locally bought it from like JB and EB games, started streaming it on Twitch and got banned on Twitch. Oh, wow. Because Nintendo America said you've, you've like, you know, got an illegal copy of this game and you're playing it earlier, you've broken embargo, even though it's just a regular punter. Yeah, in fairness, um, a lot of people would have done it by changing regions, but a lot of people, obviously, that did it legit also got banned. Yeah, like, I, I think the majority probably changed regions, but there was a bunch of Australians, and it's super obvious they're Australians when you hear them, uh, who got banned as well. But, yeah, it, it does seem like Nintendo are starting to change tact again. So there was a period of time where they were being more open, they got rid of their partnership program, I feel like they're going back a little bit again where it's anything. And I think we've spoken about this previously, Swinney, but anything that's modifying the core game. So if it's just a core game experience, I think they're more okay with it. But if you've modified the game in any way, you know how like people were playing the mods of like Super Mario Brothers 3 and they were getting their, their channels like copyright striked, um, which also is in their, in their rules. So there's just some weird things about copyright law and how it all works together that if you transform things and then they don't defend it, you know, they, like people could almost like try to establish it as its own thing. So I think yeah. that's what it comes down to as well, right? They're almost forced to defend it yeah, so in order to maintain that copyright. Yeah, it's not quite the same as trademark, but the other thing is, and, you know, my wife worked at another company that, you know, is pretty much similar to this space where they defend their IP like a Disney. Like basically internally they have a legal strategy which says if anyone's using your IP in a way that transforms it or does something with it, you have to just attack them 
It doesn't even matter if you'll lose the case, but it, it sounds like Nintendo would not lose the case. And it doesn't sound like the community's even going to try to mount a case against this. I think they understand that they would lose it. Um, well, what you, it, what people can do is um, just... There's a huge hashtag out there, free melee. So if you, <laughs> oh, it's it's huge. Like free, this, did, no, this, no, this is a huge movement. Um, like you just put in free melee, and there's there's heaps of stuff going up. Content creators, people trying to push for Nintendo to backpedal on this, and like as we said, like the timing of this is just just people don't have any other option for that community. And mm. I like when it comes to transformative changing stuff. Look, I completely understand that. Um, I understand it more so in the realm of something like Project Dem, where they are seriously changing the game. Yeah. Um, and I don't know everything about Slippy. I know that they've made some adjustments here and there to stuff. But, you know, if the main thing is, okay, adding the ability to have this rollback netcode, then, like, Nintendo, I know Nintendo don't have history of this, but this is your chance, probably the biggest chance, to work with the community to try to come up with a solution that, makes it safer for the community to actually yeah. be together. Work with the community. Yeah, and, don't don't do this. And one thing that I would super, super highly recommend to the community is like the melee community is do not attack Smash Brothers Ultimate and then Nintendo and you know Nintendo Smash Ultimate code being terrible and how good the melee and slippy code is because that's kind of exactly why Nintendo is trying to shut this down because it's actually tarnishing Smash Ultimate, which as a corporate entity, you go, well, you guys aren't even operating legally in the first place. And then you're kind of throwing us under the bus. It's like, mm. that's just not like, I know, I understand. I'm not saying that Smash's code's good. I always complain about it, right? But I think from a strategy point of view, the community needs to be smarter and understand to allow this to go under the radar they need to stop like making videos about how crap ultimate's netcode is compared to slippy because that just brings a bigger light on this and gives more incentive for nintendo to shut it down and i think you're right swinny i think they need to like backtrack on this decision because it's just so on the nose and you know it is a very small community ultimately um and i don't think it's really cannibalizing anything i think you know, for me personally, I really got into Ultimate because of, you know, the Melee documentary and I'm like, oh yeah, I want to check this game out more. I probably wouldn't have played it otherwise. So yeah, like hopefully they backtrack on this because it's a bit of a shame. And, you know, for a lot of people that are really passionate about it, it it's really sad to see um, these events getting cancelled. Let's, uh, boys, jump into my favourite segment of the week, every week, the bargain bin, where we can save money. So... <laughs> First up... Um, By collecting games, whenever play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I've got like 400 games. Um, one thing I should just say overall, it is coming up to Black Friday in America, and we are now seeing, even in Australia, you'll have heaps of sales surrounding Black Friday. So I would certainly keep your eyes peeled on any deals. Like they could even have deals coming up randomly, even though there are deals that have um, been publicly announced. So just starting as we'd normally do with Epic Game Store. So um, this week, the free games are Elite Dangerous and The World Next Door. For Nintendo Switch, and, and I think this is a good call out for you guys as well. So if you're in Australia, they actually have 15% off eShop cards uh, for Nintendo. And they also have 15% at, off... At Coles. At Coles. At Coles, sorry. Cool. Apologies. From the 25th of November to the 1st of December. Oh, and they also have December. 15% off for JB Hi-Fi. Ooh, so okay. essentially, if you, you can actually literally go onto Coles, 
buy enough gift cards and you'll be able to buy a PlayStation 5 if you could buy it at the store. Uh, not for 750 Australian dollars. It would be like 630 um, dollars, which is insane, right? Oh, so wait, I'm one day I should... Wait, they have 15% uh-huh. off of JB Hi-Fi cards. Is that what you meant? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. That's so they have... You could do that if you could actually get your hands on one of those things. Yeah, on the PlayStation 5. One yeah. day I need to tell people the tricks I used to use when I got my PlayStation 4, basically <laughs> for free. Yeah, we have to, yeah, yeah, we'll have to go through your... Because you are like the most shameless person when it comes to those kind of trade-ins or like going back into the store. Yeah, five times it was all legal. It was like all that. legal. Yeah, I, I just happened to figure <laughs> out certain loopholes. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely recommend uh, picking up I wonder some of if the Coles thing doubles up because I... My partner sometimes works at Coles. So I wonder if she can get... So, with Coles, you normally can buy third-party gift cards at a discount, yeah. even with using the Coles discount. It's kind of crazy. Mm. So, yeah, like okay. I'd recommend picking up that because then you can, you know, eShop, that means everything that you're buying is essentially 15% off already, um, and then you can stack it onto other sales. Mm-hmm. So, Swinney, do you want to run through some of the Switch things that you spotted? Yeah, just notice uh, some games that are half price. Uh, Kami HD. Uh, half price until 3rd of December, fantastic game. And Hyper Light Drifter, 50% off until 5th of December. Amazing games. Mm. Uh, Pick them up if you want something cool to play. Yeah, and for me, um, I picked up all the Picross games because Picross S5 is coming out this week or next week. So all the Picross, current Picross games are on sale. So they don't always go on sale, but I always play them uh, in the end. So I just pick them all up. Um, I think I'm up to Picross S3 anyway, so... That's another thing to pick up. Uh, PlayStation, Black Friday sales as well. Um, one thing I'd jump on is the PS Plus. You can get PS Plus during Black Friday for like $56 from Amazon Australia. Definitely jumping um, on that. Yeah, so that, that's a pretty good deal. And again, as I said last week, if you have a mate with a PS5, hint, hint, then they can log into your account <laughs> and download all of those PS4 games that are in the PS Plus collection. And then they will work on your PS4. Yeah. And then really last good one games is too. Mm, last one is uh, Control Ultimate Edition is going to be thirty dollars digitally oh, nice. on PlayStation. And that if that's might... sixty FPS, I'm grabbing it for sure. Well, when so with the Ultimate Edition, we have covered this previously, but with Control Ultimate Edition, that comes with both DLC packs for Control, and when you get the PS5 upgrade next year, it's free the upgrade. Nice. So for thirty bucks, you'll be able to get the it's PS5 version bucks. of Control, which is yeah, going to be sixty. FPS. But that, yeah, but that's not available until mm. next year. You clarify my yeah, correct. And it, it's pretty choppy on the PS4, even on the PS4 Pro Control from all okay. accounts. Um, so, I'm, but I am thinking about picking that up. And then uh, Xbox, I'll throw to you, Swinney. Yeah, so uh, we've got some games leaving Game Pass on the first of December. So on console, you've got Absolver, Dead Island Definitive Edition, Demons Tilt, Escapers Two, and Wonder Song. So uh, if you want to finish any of that up and start them, uh, you've got probably just over a week. And on PC, a game called Fairy, I know nothing about. And on Xbox and PC, a uh, very popular game, Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden, which is like an XCOM-style nice. game. So I've got that on the Switch, but it's, it's, I, don't know, I couldn't get into it. Just I, I could totally see the game being really, really good, but the Switch version is just a bit crap. Hmm which is unfortunate because it'd be perfect for the Switch. I went nuts and uh, <laughs> being the hoarder that I am, I installed every Metroidvania that was available on Game Pass. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like debating. The like, messenger? My whole screen's... Including the messenger? <laughs> yes, correct. Nice. 
So yeah, my whole screen's full of like Hollow Knight. Well, the messenger people do classify it, but I don't want to give spoilers as to why. It's Um, a really funny game. I I just, I just wanted to mention that because when you said Bloodstained, because Bloodstained, I did want to pick up on the Switch, but then you know it's on Game Pass and it's yeah much better to play it on the PC. But um, yeah, so that rounds out the bargain bin and. Let's get to your impressions, Swinney. So we're going to cover the two topics, which are the Game & Watch and Assassin's Creed, which I'm really looking forward to Assassin's Creed, but let's go to uh, the Game & Watch first. Yeah, so I, just just like you, Intergot, um, picked up the Game & Watch Super Mario Brothers that was released for the Mario 35th anniversary that was announced together with all the Mario stuff like Mario 3D All-Stars and Mario Kart Live um, and all that stuff. And so I pre-ordered this back then, uh, thinking, okay, it might be hard to pick one up on, you know, just walk into a shop. I imagine you can probably walk into a shop in Australia and get one. I don't know if you've heard heard of that Intercot. If they're no, no, it's completely sold out. It's completely sold, sold out on the first day, I think. Wow! I tried to put it, a, an order for one on Target, and it was supposedly available, and they cancelled the order straight huh, away. So okay, there's no stock. So that's interesting. Even places that were apparently available weren't actually available. All right, so yeah. so this thing I've got it in front of me. Uh, it's pretty small, you know. As we know, Game of Watch itself was pretty small, but even when I opened the box, I'm like, huh. It's for some reason in my head, it felt like it was seemed like it was going to be bigger, but it is the same. You know, <laughs> it does. It is true to the originals. I only. I'm not going to say the obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but can I also say you this reminds me of the PS5 right? when people. There's so many impressions about sizes recently <laughs> um, for video game stuff. But but when you, I know you've got it, but you've you're keeping it for Christmas. I think you'll probably have the same reaction of like, oh, it's smaller than I thought it might be. Um, but. I, I have the biggest Nintendo Christmas. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things that I'm getting for Christmas. So I guess to frame for context, uh, my only real experience with the original Game & Watch was uh, my auntie actually had a Donkey Kong uh, Jr. Game & Watch. I used to play that all the time whenever I went around to their place. Um, and that was a dual screen one. I never got to play any of the Zelda or Mario ones or any of the countless Mickey Mouse ones and things like that. Um, and I remember just thinking that game was great. I had a whole bunch of other LCD games. Like I had a Packland one and some Tetris ones that had like 50 versions of Tetris in the same game and stuff like that. I remember those. Um, and they were all cool. I, I love those games. Um, obviously, they're very of that time. Um, but for Game & Watch uh, Super Mario Brothers, so what they've done is they've essentially it packs in... Um, you know, like the actual watch part itself. So I guess there's a clock or a timer and it also includes... Yeah, I love how it's got that. It's one of the, the core things at the back, isn't it, that's highlighted. You can tell the time. Well, but yeah, that's the whole watch part of the title, Game & Watch. So, um, But does it have an alarm? Because you were saying okay, that, that was the so one Okay, so I'll, I'll get to it in a second. So, and it packs in three games as well, which is Mario 1, Mario 2, aka The Lost Levels, not the US Mario or, you know, every non-Japan Mario. And a version of Ball as well, which has just been modified to look like Mario. There has actually been a version of Mario Ball in the past. Uh, one thing it does not have is an alarm. And I will say that <laughs> I, that that's really? on me. Are you sure? Yes. That well, it's Game and Watch, not Game and yeah. Alarm. So, Clock, so. <laughs> yeah, that's the sequel. Yeah. Game and Watch and that's Alarm. So <laughs> it's an added DLC. Going back to our reaction <laughs> when solder it on. <laughs> going back to our Sorry, reaction Andy. when they announced this. We were talking at the time that, hey, if it's got an alarm, I hope it's a good alarm. You know, like I could see this actually. I need a new alarm. Blah blah blah. This it's got no alarm. I was I 
that's my fault for not actually just like looking it up properly and going. Wow, Nintendo, you just keep disappointing us this week. Well, honestly, like I don't know what to do with this thing. An alarm would have helped me actually understand what I can use it for because. Well, you could always, you know, play the games that it came with. So yeah, let, let's get to that. So it's what it can do. So we said it's got that time mode. It's got lots of little Easter eggs. I won't spoil them because honestly, that's all there pretty much is to this whole thing is like little Easter eggs in those games. Um, The actual system itself, the screen's actually quite nice. Um, You know, it's really nicely backlit. It's not a super, you know, like it's not like a a fancy phone screen or anything, but it's nice. It's, you can certainly play the games pretty well on it. The D-pad feels pretty okay. Um, It's, clear that the kind of it's pretty faithful so it's not as nice as newer D- nintendo d-pads but that's okay wait 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 hang on you're saying that the pro controller d-pad is better than this no way pro controller d-pad's like 100 times better than this d-pad dude you are nuts i'll never agree with you on this point the pro controller d-pad is trash have you used this d-pad well, this is worse than trash, I guess. It would just be the NES. I've got, like, uh, the reproduction, like, the, you know, official reproduction NES and Super NES This is not like I'm the sure. NES one. Uh, it's way I'm smaller. sure it's better than the Pro Controller. It's way smaller. I'm sure it's better than the Pro Controller. No, way, Pro Controller is way better. the size? It's, please don't tell me it's the size of the actual image on the box. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because that's, <laughs> that's super tiny. That's the case. <laughs> anyway, can I, let me, let me continue. Um, so yeah, the D-pad's trash to me, but it's okay. Like I I say it's trash to me, but I think for most people it's okay. The buttons, they've gone with the old rubber style of the game of watch, which I understand, but I just don't think they work well from playing Mario. They're not very good for precision platforming. So I think that anyone that you have to adjust to it, like it's just feels a little awkward trying to, you know, jump across, especially lost levels where precision is way more important than a Mario one. Um, but yeah, and that's pretty much it. You've got three buttons on the the front one that like selects the game. What's cool is if you quit out of a game and go to anything else and come back, it picks up straight where that game left off. So it's like an auto save state, which is pretty cool. Um, it's got a couple of settings in its setting menu in terms of just volume and lighting. And that's pretty much it. And you can set the. Top. What's the screen like? Is it, do they use an IPS or? I have no idea. It's uh, it's just a nice little LCD screen. That's all I know. No, it's oh, so it looks TN, nice. TN. You don't have to. Yeah, it's TN pen. Oh my yeah. god, for seventy nine bucks. Anyway, <laughs> let me let me continue. So, <laughs> this there's no stand at the back, which some of the old gamer watches used to have. Um, so you can't really use it as a clock. But the problem with that, anyway, <laughs> is that it would fall asleep after a minute anyway. <laughs> so well, even if you plugged it in. Well, I'm, I haven't sat there. With plugged in, maybe maybe oh, it does okay. stay on. I don't know. Maybe that's something. Maybe I'll, I will check. We'll, we'll wait for a minute in one second. Yeah, <laughs> but it comes with yeah, it comes with a USB C power cable, but no power adapter, which we see a lot of electronics coming with these days, which is okay. Which I think is okay. Yeah. It's I think trash. that's fine now. A lot of people um, charges. One thing I'm yeah. positive I will say about it is I've. It seems a damn good battery life. Um, so I've played mm. it probably about two hours in total, like on and off, and it's still showing mm-hmm. full power for me so wow it's only like there's four bars so i don't know maybe it's like 81 percent or something but yeah i think it's eight hour battery life yeah so it's playtime so that that actually makes sense mathematically i I think you never basically need to charge this like the average person's not even going to play this for more more than eight hours (laughs) yeah totally so (laughs) in total that's (laughs) so that's pretty good the the speaker's actually not bad it's a mono speaker but it's actually pretty loud but the problem is the placement so the speaker is on the side of the machine 
which means when I'm holding it, my finger no. my finger muffles it. Oh, it's so annoying oh. when they do that. Yeah. They did that with Again, uh, for 79 the Game bucks, Boy. I don't know, I just expected more, right? Yeah. So, well, you expected so my overall clock. thoughts, right? Because I'm not going <laughs> to go into the games. It's Mario 1, my Lost Levels. If you love those games and, you know, then they're just not the versions of those games. All, all I actually liked. I actually had more fun playing Ball than Mario 1. Um, what was your record? I don't know, but I ended up playing for like 20 minutes and I just ended up giving <laughs> up. Um, That's what I hear everyone saying. It's like it's too easy. Play forever. It's just too easy. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... Honestly, my overall thoughts is this thing is crap as a clock, right? I'll have to, I will, what I'll do, I'll test if it stays turned on, plugged in. Well, it's not a clock, it's a watch, okay? Right? But you can't Ooh, really like... strap it to your hand. It's mediocre. So it's not even a watch. Oh, my no, God. No, no, their support website calls it a clock. Yeah. It says digital clock, to so be fair. It's, and it's mediocre as a gaming platform, Um I would, have loved, a clock. I would have loved, I would have loved, I know this is Nintendo way, but I would have loved for something, I don't know, like Dr. Mario or something on there as well, or some more mm. stuff, you know, that would have been cool. Because Dr. Mario, time. yeah, but it has to be Mario themed for this one. So Mario Tetris? <laughs> anyway, the, the whole thing is like, I think, you know, having a couple more things in there to make, to give more to do would have been great. Um, honestly, I, it's probably good for kids with a high attention span because any normal kid's probably going to get bored of it very quickly. <laughs> There's like two, there two like kids out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's cool as a little novelty. I kind of regret buying it, but... Oh, really? Because... You sell it. No, but the thing is, right, I, I got it Double and it's exactly as advertised, right? So I can't complain. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> right? How dare they make a product exactly. and advertise it and it well, turns out exactly like what These bastards. You didn't it does let, exactly what it says on the team. dodging Nintendo people. <laughs> well, you didn't let me finish the second part of that. So it's exactly as advertised. So I don't know what I was expecting out of it because <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got it and I'm like, cool. Huh, okay, that's a fun thing. And then you put it down and I'll come back to it like, oh, I'm about to go Which to sleep. Ex- I'll just play a little bit of Mario Ball. It's like, okay. That is exactly what I'd expect. That's funny. Yeah. But so, I'd love to see if people can mod this and put some ROMs on it because that would be super cool. They've already done it. That would they've be awesome. That would oh, be wow, awesome. cool. Then I someone, can get Tetris. Yes. Someone did it the day before it even came out. <laughs> what? <laughs> they posted a video on YouTube I would about love, it. Like, to, get, to get Dr. Mario on this, that I think would work really well. So yeah, that I, would I'd really it, open it up, wouldn't it? I'd probably give it a week or two, Swinny, because they've already been able to hack it. So probably in a week or two, they'll be able to build all the tools around how they hacked it. So then you can just add whatever you want yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. How so, do they do it? What, what interface does it even have where you can communicate with it? It's got a USB C on the side, <laughs> but they said it's only power though, so there's no data or anything. So because I was watching how someone break it? it open. Um, but anyway, there's ways to do that stuff. We know. Oh, interesting. So maybe you're right. Cause I, this one, they did open it up directly yeah. to the board. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just checked online. So there was a bit of confusion about the alarm thing. So there were some, you know, reputable outlets like Eurogamer that actually said it has an alarm when it got released, like announced, um, back in September. So that was obviously wrong. Like they, I don't know where they came up with well, that, but if there's an alarm hidden, functioning in, alarm clock. If there's an alarm hidden in here somewhere, I would love to be <laughs> wrong, but I cannot eggs. find it. I <laughs> yeah, no, there isn't. I, no, no, I just checked. The, I, I think Nintendo's confirmed there's no alarm. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder why though, because alarm. I mean, it's got a speaker tick. You need that for an alarm, and it's got the ability to tell time tick. You need that for an alarm. Well, as well. I don't think the original. Why? So some of the original game watches probably didn't have an alarm, and it's meant to mimic them really. 
vast majority. I think there was only one or two that actually yeah. had an alarm integrated. integrated. The Maybe other it's one that people didn't think they needed because he's actually going to use this as a clock. The the only other thing I just wanted to point out with this that made me laugh was um, that you know how this is a piece of hardware, so it's not connected to the internet and kind of can't be updated at all easily. Um, that they actually, and this is a spoiler, so jump ahead like a minute. One of the 35 secrets or Easter eggs is that Mario actually sings. Uh, he can, you know, you can make him sing the time and there's like a little song. Oh, cool. Now, if you've said it into other languages, so in English, it sings it, it's fine. But if your language is French, it sings it in German. If your language is Spanish, it sings it in French. If your language is German, it sings it in Italian. And if you're Italian, it sings it in Spanish. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> they figured it out after though. it was already produced and they were like, oh my God, we've stuffed this up. Sorry, guys. And they're I like, English, cool, Dutch though. and Japanese, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like, what, if they, are they going to make more of these? Or is it limited to run? I think, you know, I think probably the last thing we, we would talk about and then we'll move on to Swinney's Valhalla. They're chomping at the bit to talk about. But um, Zelda has their as the 35th anniversary next year, and that was probably one of the other big ones. So I kind of okay. wonder, maybe they'll do a Zelda one. You reckon, Swinney? Yeah, it makes sense to do a Zelda one, and at some point, I don't know what it lines up with, but it makes sense to do a Donkey Kong one because Donkey Kong is so synony- synonymous with Game & Watch. That's true. So Maybe you'll get an alarm clock then. I hope at some point they bloody release an alarm clock. <laughs> you know what else is synonymous? Assassin's Creed. It's synonymous with you. <laughs> oh, you're doing the segues now. <laughs> Over to yes. you, Swinney. <laughs> it's the, the mic way. Uh, <laughs> yes, so Assassin's Creed Valhalla released on uh, launch day for Xbox uh, Series X on the 10th of November and a couple of days later um, for PlayStation 5. And 10th of November it was released on you know PlayStation 4 and PC and that as well. So, as was said before, I'm a huge fan of Assassin's Creed. I've played every single one of them with the exception of maybe some of the mobile titles and things like that. But I've completed every single one of them, pretty much all the achievements in every single game as well. Um, with Yeah, I've when it comes to, I guess, like knowing these games in and out, if I don't know something, I'm really disappointed in myself. So, whenever that comes up, I'm like, okay, I, should know that. I should know that. What was the name of the character that would go into the Animus in Assassin's Creed 2? Desmond? What was his surname? Miles? <laughs> oh, come on. Damn man. it! <laughs> come That's, on. That's pretty easy. Anyway, no <laughs> well, more spot, no more spot quizzes. That, no more spot quizzes. That was good. Okay, that was fine. good. And then you should just let him have it. You got wrecked. <laughs> All right, go on, Swinney. <laughs> okay. All right. So I was playing this on uh, Xbox One X. So I don't have a Series X or a PlayStation 5. So I'm playing it on, on uh, last gen now. Um, but you will, when it's in store in the next few months, for sure, buy one. It's 100% here. Yeah. So I'm about 15 hours in the game. And honestly, I would want more time with it to probably talk to some of the stuff. Because last week, I mentioned that I needed more time in the game. And that's because they start rolling out more and more systems as you get further into the story and things like that. And so there's some stuff I haven't gotten to yet, which I'd love to talk to, but I can't. So some of it is I haven't gotten to any big narrative threads and seeing how that stuff plays. So I can't really comment on how good I think the the story side is or anything. Um, I've mainly been focusing on clearing out one region and doing some of the cool side activities so that I learn as much as I can about the, you know, stuff you can do in the game and what it's like to play. And I ha- Did you get off the intro 
map or you still doing yeah no i mean i'm in england and doing all the work there work there all the stuff there um and i haven't i haven't experienced any of the like norse mythology stuff yet which is what the main thing i would have loved to have played to give my impressions on but it's i don't know where how far along into the game that stuff hits and i didn't want to just rush through main quest to get there i wanted to play it as you know, I'd play a normal Assassin's Creed game. So okay, because apparently in short, shirtless um, Chris Hemsworth is in the game. Oh, bring it on! Come on, love some me some shirtless Thor. That guy's hot. <laughs> right. So if anyone doesn't know, Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla is an open world action RPG. It's the twelfth game in the series, main series, and it's the third in what people call the Layla Saga, or I guess the Origins trilogy. So it's kind of the third in when the game became an RPG, basically became the Witcher in the, with Assassin's Creed gameplay. So outside the Animus, the story continues directly from the Fate of Atlantis DLC for Odyssey. So just spoil for the next few, uh, for the next 20 seconds, if someone hasn't played that yet, where you continue as uh, Layla Hassan in possession of uh, the, the Staff of Hermes. And she's basically, it's, it's a, it's possess- it starts possessing and screwing for head and everything. And there's a huge cataclysmic event that's happening that's screwing with like magnetic fields and destroying satellites. And so essentially they're trying to, through a link that they found with this buried Viking, they're trying to figure out how to stop the end of the world, basically. So it's almost like the Desmond 2.0, where he had to try to stop the world through going to the Animus and stuff. Um, so inside the Animus, which is what most people care about, um, it's... It's obviously about Vikings. You're playing as uh, Ivor, who's an orphan, uh, orphaned Viking on a quest to build a new home in the distant land of old England. So this is very old England. This is like, uh, you know, Saxons. This is before it was unified. So there's different kingdoms and things like that. The game does start out in Norway, which is a pretty big map. So we talked about that last week, but... The getting to England, like if you just mainline and you don't sort of run around exploring that map for ages, you get to England pretty quickly. Um, and that's where the main crux of the game begins, where you've got a settlement, you start building up your settlement. Um, the narrative starts to pick up because in the, I guess, the prologue of the game in Norway, it's a bit of an, a revenge story where you're avenging the 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 person who turned and killed your parents and stuff and you know that that's just like that ties that up pretty quickly and then it's like okay now this is the new land now we need to you know go around different parts of england build alliances you know take over settlements raid do viking stuff and my thoughts on this whole viking thing and you essentially being the invader is a little mixed because I know when they first showed this game, it's like, okay, well, Vikings are known for raiding, pillaging, you know, raping people, like horrible stuff. And I'm like, well, how do they make it so that you feel like you're not playing as the villain doing this? Mm. And they don't, they, you're doing that stuff. Well, you're not doing the raping part, of course, but you well, are. You pat dogs. You can pat a dog. So you're, you're redeemed. You're like, it's like, okay, <laughs> we need to raid this monastery of just monks, just like doing their stuff. <laughs> and you literally raid the monastery and you, it does say you, you can't kill civilians, but you kill all the guards and steal all their stuff. And it's like, you're, you're, well, the, you are. The, guards have families too. You are the bad guy. Like, are, are we the baddies? Sounds you like are the baddie. <laughs> I love the are, you, are we the baddies sketch. And that's exactly what I was thinking of. It's, are we the baddies? We're, we're crushing the heads of monks. And, <laughs> you know, maybe we're the baddies. 
and there's moments where like oh look there's a dog let's there's it. moments when Ivor's shown as a really good person and then it's like and then it's just going around raiding and being a viking it's like unlike previous protagonists in assassin's creed games i don't feel like a good guy you know doing you're doing horrible things in pursuit of a good goal this is not you're just being a viking like and i think that stuff will start to pad out as the wider narrative comes to 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 be so i think that that will probably change a bit but to begin with it's definitely okay we've got this settlement let's go raid places and then bring all the stuff back and we can build a settlement up (laughs) man anyway but uh in terms of gameplay look it follows what was built from origins and odyssey so anyone to play the last two games it's going to feel very familiar in some ways but it's actually quite unique in other ways. Like when it comes to controls, the free running, that stuff's generally the same. The combat is very different. I'll get to that as a separate thing soon. Um, there's less of a ship focus than Odyssey. So Odyssey had a lot of, um, you know, it kind of had a bit of a black flag thing where you're building up your ship and you do ship battles. This is pretty much using a long boat to go down rivers and stuff for your stuff. You know, it's like in, in, you're within the, the English countryside. You're not out in the ocean uh, in this okay. game. Um, there's less, I guess, icon bath, if that makes sense. So, um, we know that a lot of Ubisoft and especially Assassin's Creed games, like Syndicate was really bad for this, where you will hit each, synchronize each, um, I guess, uh, area and then unlocked and shows all the icons, like hundreds of icons across the map. And you're like, oh my God, that, that this game doesn't do that. So there's definitely icons. I thought there was an option where you can switch it on and so off. So I'll, I'll get to that stuff in a soon. Yeah. So even with it, that option set to the max, you still don't see that amount of icons. It's very difficult. Cool. Cool. Um, okay. But what they've done in this game, so there's three different settings for how for your gameplay experience. So one is combat difficulty. So you can set that three different levels. Um, just for context, I left everything as normal recommended. Then there is the exploration. Now, uh, Origin, sorry, Odyssey had this as well, where you could turn off all icon markers and you have to rely on like the quest log, then figure out from the quest log where to find it. It was really cool. This is a little different, but it still has options to, you know, and how much it wants the game to hold your hand or not. But then it also has a third option, which is stealth difficulty. So when we talk about accessibility, this game has it in spades. It's got it doesn't have meters like a lot of games, sports games specifically, where you're like, oh, I want people them to pass this amount and you drag the meter. Like, it's not that level of accessibility, but it's still really cool the way they've implemented it. But in general, just the exploration in this game feels very different um, in this one. It doesn't feel like there's stuff everywhere. And when there's stuff around you, it's actually really worthwhile exploring and finding that stuff because you'll find cool world events, cool puzzles, and I'll get to some of that stuff um, soon. But it just feels very different. It's hard to explain, but as someone that's so used to the Assassin's Creed kind of model, this game is taking a very different approach with it. Um, mentioned before, Mike, you mentioned, oh, these games always have settlements where you know you have to take out the top guard and stuff. This game definitely has some of that stuff, but it's not like marked on your map, clear this settlement or anything. It's like, okay, this settlement will have a treasure and you'll know that there's a general treasure in that area. Okay. And you can, cool. that treasure might be on a really tough guard or just might be in a chest. And when you get that stuff and you get the treasure, you just get out of there. It's not like, it's very different. It's more like you're 
collecting points of interest as opposed to mark ticking things off. I think it's a it's a much better approach. I mean, the horses for courses. I I just think it just adds more to the exploration. You mentioned last week that there's unique weapons unlike the previous installment. So, I mean, there was unique weapons in Odyssey and Origins, but they were mixed in with a whole bunch of random equipment. Okay. So it was like, you know how with a game like Diablo, where you have your unique loot, but then you have a whole bunch of randomized loot and stuff. Yes. That's the way that Origins and Odyssey did it, and Odyssey went quite crazy with that. This game, it's all unique stuff. So, and if... I haven't seen, I haven't played around with a lot of equipment yet. I'm still kind of upgrading the the stuff that you get in the first area, um, but they they all have unique buffs. And just like past games, they've got set buffs. You know, if you've got four out of five of the Raven Clan set, you'll get you know different buff levels. I mean, that's common for RPGs and things. But it's it's fixed fixed locations for this loot as well, which is really different. Um, now, some stuff was fixed in the past games, especially for the unique stuff, but then a lot of it was randomized, and none of that's randomized anymore. So they've kind of scaled that stuff back a bit, cool. which mm. I think it's for the better. Um, Odyssey's, I've said before, but you know, for the sake of this segment, you know, Odyssey is by far my favorite Assassin's Creed game. Um, so the fact that they scaled that down a bit, and I think it's a positive, I think is a really good sign for this game. Okay, interesting. Because um, uh, that's interesting, because so far from what you're saying and how you're playing this game, I kind of assumed it hasn't gripped you as much as other Assassin's Creed games have, because it's like, what, 12 days post-release, and you've played, what, 15 hours? Yeah, but I actually didn't play Odyssey until, like, a year after it came out. So I'm not, I don't always play these games right away. You're not a real fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually wouldn't take that as an indication. Um, okay, okay. Take that as more an indication of me being as obsessive compulsive and wanting to complete Final Fantasy VIII again and spending more of my time doing that. Right. <laughs> I remember it you did sense. hit me up as soon as it launched on <laughs> Xbox Game Pass. I'm like, well, you're going to complete that. That's going to have its own achievement list, which it does. And I'm like, there goes my weekend plans. Um, so <laughs> the progression is is really interesting in this game. So. Origins and Odyssey were very similar that you essentially had these skill trees that were kind of almost on the same page. You saw everything up front. So you're like, okay, I wanted to get that to that end of the skill tree. So I'm going to spec in this certain way. And you get, you get skill points by, you know, just by completing missions and killing enemies and doing, doing stuff. This game, there's definitely a big skill tree, but it's all hidden. So you can't mm. actually see what the end game is unless you know already or you look it up online, which I'm not going to do. It starts specking you out in the one of three directions. So, you know, general combat, stealth, and then ranged. Um, and based on where you start specking, it's kind of, it's very similar to the sphere grid from Final Fantasy X, where you unlock nodes and then, you know, have to connect them and stuff like that. Um, so that's pretty cool. They changed that up. Um, you can respec at any time. I, I don't know if there's any cost to it. It doesn't seem like there's a cost to it. So that's that's cool, especially considering you can't see what those abilities are going to be. So the ability you can just reverse it um, helps. So it. That, that's fascinating. So so you, it makes you wonder why they even really introduced a mechanic like that when a a lot of people are probably just going to look it up online and b you'll you at a certain point you'll have enough points where you'll just reskill, go up a tree, see what's there, reskill, go up the other tree. I guess I just wanted so to mix it, up the formula a bit, and I think I like it. Um, could be good. I th- what's different is so in Odyssey and Origins, you would unlock abilities throughout that, and you still do. But then you also get abilities differently in this game. You find what's called books of knowledge. 
So a combat ability is something you can map. You hold like right trigger and then you can map to one of the face buttons. So you actually find those books of knowledge and unlock the ability to like launch through the air at someone from a book of knowledge. And it seems that I think they're fixed locations as well, which is interesting. And there's That's you find another book of knowledge for the same ability, it upgrades it. So I've only got about six or seven abilities across, um, like there's like ranged abilities on the left trigger and, and melee abilities on the right trigger. So that's very different as well. So they've taken a different approach there. I'm not sure how I feel about that just yet. Um, and I guess the other part of progression is upgrading your colony, which I mentioned. So that's very similar to Black Flag, where you can upgrade your like pirate colony. But it's just more expanded. Um, there's also something called a feast buff that a whole bunch of buildings add to. So I haven't seen that play out yet. I guess that's you can choose to hold a feast at your, you know, in your your longhouse, your Viking house, or whatever, and the hall, and then it will give you like buffs that will last for the next couple of hours or something like that. That's probably a pretty cool system if that's the way it works. Um, and I guess for general mechanics, they brought back social blending, which is an Assassin's Creed thing going back to the original games that they're kind of phased in and out of importance throughout the series. So the way that works is, um, you know, you are you look like a Viking. You're running around in town looking like a Viking. So what's cool is there's this, you can toggle a cloak at any time that puts a cloak over all your equipment and everything. So you just look like a person in a cloak walking around. And then you can blend in, you can sit on benches you can you know do do old assassin's creed stuff so they brought back that back in um and so you can be a bit more stealthy with that which is pretty cool but unlike yeah unlike the other games it makes narrative sense in this um the last two games i should say because in those games you're running around looking like a greek person in greece in this you're in a foreign land so it kind of makes sense narratively one of the other mechanics uh, this is something i'm not a fan of is the they've retooled the health system a bit so In the beginning of the game, it's really awkward because on normal difficulty, the enemies hit pretty hard. You know, the combat still can be a little punishing at times. Um, Now, combat is kind of where I'm getting to soon. But uh, I think that the health system, you have to basically get rations back and heal yourself by picking, like, fruit off trees and things like that. I think that stuff will get less annoying as time goes on because you're unlocking new ration slots. So I've already got about three ration slots. So I think that will become less of annoyance eventually, but I'm probably not a fan of the change there. Um, What has been a big change is actually the way that um, your eagle works, which is actually a raven in this game. But the last two games, it was an eagle. So in those games, in classic, well, recent classic Ubisoft fashion, there's where you've got like... Uh, wildlands where you'd send out a drone and you can mark people. In Origins and Odyssey, you'd send out your, your eagle and they'd mark all the people in the base so that you can see them on, your, on you know, they highlight and the icons above them. It doesn't work that way in this. In this, you actually have to use the old, like, assassin view. I can't remember what they call in this, where you put it in the right trigger. It sends out, like, a almost like a, a pulse. sonar pulse, yeah, and then marks all the people near you. So that's different. I don't know how I feel about it yet, but they have changed things up and... It's kind of... It'd make it harder, wouldn't it? You'd think, but... Because the range is small as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, but, but so there's... Enough. I mean, it marks people in a pretty good distance, but it's definitely not as easy. Like, the the using the eagle or the raven would have made it... it that, that That's definitely way easier. Um, oh, it was super easy, yeah. But I don't know how I feel about it because I kind of like the idea of scoping. Now, I actually still do use it to scope out, but it's more like, okay, 
I need to scope out this huge base on a mountain to find where the vantage points are and I fly around and, and kind of you can mark and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, I mentioned before the loot system, that's had a huge overhaul. Um, and But one thing I don't really like about it is, so Assassin's Creed Odyssey had a really cool upgrade system that meant you could really customize what buffs you had on your equipment. And with the unique equipment, a lot of that stuff was set in stone, so you couldn't change it. So the random equipment and crafting your own equipment and buffs meant that you could customize yourself. So I could stack buffs like plus 20% stealth damage across all these different pieces of loot and things. And so far, and I'm still early, I haven't really come across a way to really customize that stuff. Now, you sorry, I will say there are runes you can put in so there'll be rune slots that do that stuff, but it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like you got as much control. I will say some of that stuff came later in like towards the end game with, with Odyssey. So this may also have some end game way to kind of really customize your equipment a lot more. Um, some other cool mechanics uh, is that this game has feels similar to Far Cry, at least New Dawn, because it's the only far, recent Far Cry I've played in a while, Mike. You'll remember how come up mm-hmm. to a location, it's almost a bit of a mini puzzle on how to actually get into this location. So it's like, mm. oh, I need to shoot that or I need to you know, destroy this thing. This game has a lot more of that than Assassin's Creed has probably ever had. Oh, cool. So you'll come up to just a normal village and it'll be a hut and it's like, how do I get in there? And you've got to find the one breakable thing that's on the, on the roof that you've got to destroy to get in and things like that. So even for just exploring, they've thrown a lot more cool little puzzles in there. Um, that's cool. It makes it more worthwhile and rewarding, I think. Yeah, and just coming across a place and exploring. And just cool things like, um, you know, you've always been able to sabotage, sabotage alarm bells, but in this you actually have to shoot the rope. And it's pretty cool because a guy oh, will run up cool. and start ringing the bell and you can actually, like, in mid-combat, shoot it as he's ringing it <laughs> and it, like, drops down and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, a couple of quality of life things added. Um, you can now autopilot the ships. So I said ships is not a huge thing, but when you are at least on a ship, you can tell it to follow the coastline and then it will then you can also set it to follow the objective after that and then you can set it to turn listen to stories you know from people um like reading poetry on the ship you can set it to be a cinematic camera while it's autopiloting you there so some cool stuff there and some cool quick menu uh quality of life stuff like pulling uh triggering raids calling a longboat so some really cool stuff there now, to get something I'm not as big much a fan of, which is combat. So I kept mentioning combat there. And the reason I wanted to se- separate that was because combat's actually changed a lot. Um, Origins and Odyssey were very similar to each other, where they were very much, okay, this is Dark Souls combat, put in Assassin's Creed. You know, they were upfront uh, early with Origins that, oh, they've taken inspiration from games of Dark Souls where they put stamina, um, light and heavy attacks are on the bumper and the trigger, respectively. You've got um, heavy focus on parrying and waiting for enemies to take action and then punishing. Um, so this game, they've changed it up a little bit. So you still got some of that, but instead, light attacks actually replenish your stamina. So, Mike, I don't know if you've experienced yeah, this yet. I have, yeah. What it turned out, ended up, causing me to do early in the game was just to keep spamming light attack all the time. So it felt really messy. So it didn't feel mm. like the recent, especially Odyssey, it felt like you were in full control. The start of this, when I was playing Valhalla, I felt that I was mashing all the time, which is not how Assassin's Creed generally feels, especially the recent ones. 
but eventually you fall into a rhythm. You know, you're parrying a lot more, and as you get abilities, you stop doing that. But I don't know how I feel about actually using a light attack to replenish that stamina. I think that it just, I don't think it adds to anything. Um, it's weird. I'm, I'm like, I feel like they changed something that didn't need to change, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. I think it will start to get better as I get more abilities, um, but it does feel like a step down from Odyssey. Um, but that's that's probably the harshest thing I'll say about this game is that I don't know if the changes they made to combat benefit the game more than anything else. Um, so I guess some other things, the world activities that you do around the map, they've actually added some really cool stuff to this game. Uh, so the, one of the biggest things is world events. So world events are just, they're side quests, but they're not like side quests where you are, oh, I go a quest to kill or collect these things. It's more something that happens in the same area that you find it. So if you find an event, you, f- you don't feel like you're just adding these side quests to a quest list like you would in an RPG or in the past games. You come up to an event, you actually want to do that event then and there. And some of them are really, really cool. Some of them are a little stupid. Uh, there's some ones that are going around online that are, I won't spoil that are a little ridiculous. But I will. there's one I'll talk about. It's, it's very early. It's in the first prologue. But as an example, you, I'm walking around in these snowy mountains. I find a, a guy on a cliff. And he's talking about wanting to get to the afterlife but not le- wanting to leave his belongings behind. So he's got all these crates and you talk to him and he asks for your help. And so what the whole world event is, you pick up the crates and you're chucking his belongings off a cliff. And he's like <laughs> thanking you as you're chucking all this stuff down this huge cliff. It's off a huge mountain. <laughs> That's awesome. And then he's like, oh, thank you so much. And then at the end of it, he runs and jumps off the, the mountain. What? <laughs> because he's trying to get to the afterlife. Wow. And it's like, That's and your character's like, what the hell? And there's some of them are really funny, but some really like, like there's... There's one that I'm, I'm trying to say with that point too much where you like this guy's like, you can do anything to me. I, I, I won't matter because I'm like, he's all super religious. He's a monk. He's like, burn down my house, destroy my belongings. So you go around, you're burning all this stuff. And he's like, what? You know? Oh, and then he gets up and, and there's this note or something underneath him. And then you find out he's got this shack behind his house with all these murdered people in it. Uh-huh. And you're like, and he's Plot like, I, I brought them to enlightenment or something. And then he attacks you and you're going to kill him. Like, there's cool little events like that. <laughs> and that's they've had some stuff like that in Assassin's Creed before, but they've put a f- such a focus on it that I think it's really, really cool. Uh, there's some really cool puzzles you go in. There's like mushroom hallucination puzzles. There's standing stone puzzles, which is like lining up visuals, like kind of like Batman Ooh. Riddler trophies. Um, Mike, you might remember in New Dawn, there's a whole section where you're under hallucination yes, where you yes, have to yeah. line up these. You have to stand in a certain position to find the shape that matches up in different environmental yep. things similar to that there's lots of legendary that's enemies cool. that every time i've tried to come across them they've killed me so that's definitely not meant for early game stuff but they're just wandering <laughs> around like the previous games there's cursed areas um that you have to like complete an obstacle course and destroy cursed stuff there's lots of cool stuff like that um but probably one of the coolest additions is some of the town mini games that they've added so They've added this dice game called Orlog, and I don't know if you've actually played any of these, Mike, because they introduced these pretty early. Um, there's Orlog, there's Flighting, and there's a drinking competition. Now, the drinking competition is just a little mini game that you do for money, which is not bad. But Flighting is based... It is, What's Flighting? Flighting is literally insult sword fighting from Monkey Island. 
<laughs> cool. <laughs> so it's basically, if anyone doesn't know, it's basically Viking rap battles where mm. you're countering people's rhymes with rhymes to then diss them. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, and Orlog <laughs> is a really cool dice game that's very similar to, if anyone's ever heard of a game called Bang or Bang the Dice Game, where it's like a dice game where you've got pictures on, that you give different things like uh, a picture of a gun. You know, in this case is, you know, the mm. the... It has different pictures of different things you're doing, and then you you get certain points, and you use these like guard abilities. They've actually spent a lot of time on this old log game. And it's pretty neat to just go around each town and beat like the local person and get new abilities and things like that. And probably the last thing I'll I'll focus on is the presentation. Um, so Assassin's Creed games have generally always looked gorgeous. You know, we talked about sometimes, especially the earlier games, they're, you know, they're definitely not the most colourful games, but they've gotten away from that. So especially the last game set in really colourful, you know, ancient Greece with ruins and, and flowers in Sparta and stuff like that. Um, this game, because it's in the English countryside, still looks gorgeous, but also inherently you're running around lots of foggy moors and swampy forests <laughs> but then you will come across when the sun comes out nice green farmland so it looks really nice oh, cool lots of so it's like playing forza horizon but <laughs> yeah pretty much a while but ago. there's like obviously monasteries castle villages rock formations. so it's really really cool um i'm interested to get outside of the region i'm in to go to you know old london to visit stonehenge and all that stuff it probably the map kind of takes up what is probably like looks like a, about a quarter or a third of England, so pretty big map, um, mm. and just yeah, graphically it's it's great. But I'm playing it on the Xbox One X, so I can't judge what it's going to look like in PC on next gen. But that it looks really good on next. But gen. that brings yeah. me to the frame rate. So the frame rate of Assassin's Creed games on consoles has always been 30 frames or like at best, right? And one thing, there's a couple of things that I didn't, re- I didn't realize about what the next gen versions of these games do. So first of all, they run at 60 frames, which is actually unusual for Assassin's Creed console games, but thankfully they're now at that point. But I'm mm. sitting here playing in 30 frames, of course. And, and it definitely feels really jarring at the beginning because you're in a dark, snowy area in Norway that's you're already learning what to do you you, like the map and compass system is quite different you like and the frame rate's kind of it it's the most jarring at the beginning of the game but eventually i'm i'm used to it now but anyone that's looking to play this game and has next is looking to get next gen soon i more than any other assassin's creed game plays on next gen because it's just i reckon this game is just gonna look absolutely amazing as mike said um, oh, of course, and at 60 FPS, it's... And that's Xbox One X that you're playing it on, which is the best Xbox they released. Yeah, but you've got to remember no other Assassin's Creed game has run at 60 frames on any previous PlayStation or, or Xbox console. They've always been 30. So this is the first time they've actually made the jump on a console. On PC, it's a different game. So, But are you saying that on the One X, it was a bit like there was stutter? Uh, I don't know if it was so much stutter. It's just... I it just felt jarring in the beginning areas, especially because it's dark okay. and the colors kind of look a bit muddy. Um, okay. In you know, and you're already learning. Like it, it did hit me at the start, man. When I when I heard that it runs at sixty frames, I'm like, man. Like we talked about it before, and we joked about it. Like if there's any game that might get it 
need to get a new console when i realized you're gonna do it there's this two one. reasons right that i did <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what i know but there's two things i didn't <laughs> come over and see it on two my TV. Things. i i 100 like i remember that there's two things i didn't know first that it ran at 60 because i wouldn't have assumed that for assassin's creed because it's never run at 60 on console and the other thing i didn't know was that the achievement list is shit so there's no benefits for me, as oh, an achievement yeah. hunter, to play <laughs> oh, the oh previous God. version. No Why are you even playing it now? I'd wait. <laughs> so that yeah, if you waited a year for Odyssey. So there's part of me that thinks I might park this at some point. There's part of <laughs> me. There's part it. of me. We're gonna get a review next year. Gonna, yeah. It's gonna be like November. What this wasn't a review. Well, but you got to remember <laughs> no, this is this. Swin Pressure. No, but you've also. Why did I do it the last thirty minutes of my life? But you've, <laughs> you've also got to remember that they're releasing DLC and these are sizable packs over time. So by the time they release all the DLC, then I'll likely have a new console anyway. So there's part of me. I'm. <laughs> I'll probably. I'll keep playing it, but. I might. There might be a point where I'm like, look, I've. I feel like I've. I've spent a good amount of time. Maybe I'll park it until like I'm still eyeing around Feb March um, as when I might pick one up. But uh, we'll see how I go. But definitely, if but if you're not looking to get a next gen for a while, then this this version is fine. But definitely, like that, sixty frames is a huge thing. So, what's four K sixty? I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the other. What were you saying, Mike? No, I was, I was just quickly saying, uh, without a joke, now that lockdown's eased, you should come visit and check it out. Yeah. On the PS5? On the PS5, and then you'll instantly go to the shop to get an Xbox One. Well, oh, and sorry, then you'll be Series disappointed because there aren't any. Well, you, you got to remember, like, I was so pissed off when they released the Ezio collection on Xbox One and Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, and they didn't even make them 60 on those versions, even though the PC version yeah, which is 60. weird, because surely they could. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> exactly. So just to sum it all up, look, is this a play, good place to, to jump in the series? Yes. Like, all the Assassin's Creed games are set up in a way where they're unique, and if you don't care about the out-of-the-animus stuff, which a lot of people don't, then you can ignore it pretty easily. Um I do think I can't place this above Odyssey yet, though. I think that if you're going to play any Assassin's Creed game of the the recent trilogy, Odyssey is the one I'll always uh, recommend. A lot of people love Origins, mm. but Odyssey is just absolutely brilliant to me. Um, I cannot recommend that game enough. But this is still a good place to to jump in. I think if you're looking for a game to play on next gen, it's a it's a great one to play um, because there's not that many games that I think you know aren't old gen you know, last-gen backwards compatible to getting upgraded, this feels like it would be a great next-gen game. Um, and honestly, if you like a game like The Witcher 3 or any both the old or the new Tomb Raider games, this this is the kind of game I reckon you'd love because it's kind of the mixture of those, the, acro- the acrobatic puzzle, environmental puzzles with the action RPG in open world of The Witcher 3. So I really like it. Uh, I don't want to sound negative on it. I just think some of the changes that are made, especially around the combat, it's so far hasn't felt like a positive, but I love I've loved playing it so far, and but that's also coming from Assassin's Creed fan, so it would have taken a lot for this game not to to be my jam if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like thumbs up to you, more Assassin's Creed. If you're into that, get it. More, more Assassin's Otherwise, Creed. Maybe wait for the next. But year. I'll clarify they've ma- they've mixed things up, so it's not just like a repeat or anything. There's enough new here if uh, to to get back into it. So. Yeah, nice. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that wraps us up for this week's show. As always, 
If you want to reach out to us, we're pretty much Big Wig Pod on everything you can think of. Um, probably Twitter and even if you email us at bigwigpod at gmail.com uh, or go through the YouTube comments. I usually reply to all of them um, and lots of debates about what EB Games is doing recently, which is quite interesting. Um, if you do want to help the show out, make sure you give us a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. That will help us grow. But for now, bye-bye. See ya. Adios.